Friday, everybody. Good morning this morning. Good morning this morning. Live from the Discovery Design Studios. Discovery Design Inc. Dot com. Discovery Design Inc. Dot com. Trucking needs. Got a fleet. Got somebody you know who has a fleet. Got somebody who needs building expertise or whatever, or their roofers or whatever, the guys over at Discovery Design Inc. can make it happen for you. Uh, Rick and Jerry Pogue, thank you so much for your support of the show, and you guys are awesome. And I'm hearing back from some people who uh, even have uh, known that national clients are coming their way now. Also, thanks to the stream, because our stream you can pick up anywhere, and so can the folks who might be uh, utilizing Discovery Design Inc. Inc. DiscoveryDesignInc.com. Well, good morning, and as usual, President Trump was right. This storm, Hurricane Florence, is big and tremendously wet. Or tremendously big and wet. Either way, I still don't know what exactly he said. I heard from two reporters, two different stories. But nonetheless, it is true that this storm is pretty damn big. And it's wet, and so far there are tons of power outages. There's natural gas explosions. There are, you know, transformers busting out all over the place. And so it's been uh, quite a, a deal for our folks, mainly in North Carolina, 
Uh, but it's going to be hitting South Carolina, obviously, and, and getting those areas as well. So uh, prayers for our brothers and sisters out there uh, on the East Coast. And apparently by Wednesday, it's supposed to be even going up to New York. So, I mean, I'm talking about the rain and all the all that kind of stuff will be ultimately going up to uh, New New York. And uh, that's what it is. Margaret says it's wild, wet, and woolly. You know, it's interesting. I never – my mom always used to say – that uh, wet and wild, wet and woolly, and I never knew what that meant. Wh- what the woolly part of that meant, and I don't know whether that meant. I just I don't know whether it's a farm term related to lambs or sheep or whatever. I don't know, but uh, wild and woolly. I remember that that whole thing used to be uh, be used, and and I know that buffalo are woolly and wild, so I know that. So maybe that's part of the whole thing. I have no idea. But wild and woolly, I think that's a great term, Margaret. Thank you very much. Well, good morning, folks. Gia Valenti is going to be coming in at about 7 o'clock. We're going to have Jim Talent on with us at 8. Jimmy Hoff's going to be with us uh, at 7.30. And we've got a ton to cover, including you know, we got another case where, I mean, I guess two of my favorite musicians now are going off the rails in their left-wing moon battery. Uh, you've got Willie Nelson and Al Green, really, Al? I mean, you too, dude. You got you got to be kidding me. I, so that's happening. Uh, Al Green is talking about impeaching Trump, and Willie Nelson is stumping for the opponent of Ted Cruz down there in Texas. This Beto dude, Beto O'Rourke, and that's disappointing. I have to tell you, it's one of those things where. Again, you guys know me. I've always been in a situation where I I really will still listen to music, uh, even though sometimes the people who do the music are a bunch of left-wing crazies. I'll still listen to their music. I mean, Bruce Springsteen is a great example of that. Neil Young is another example of that. I just – sometimes I just – I can get past it. I like their music, and I can kind of – roll through a little bit. That's kind of how it goes. Uh, Al Green, I just think he's, you know, he's a preacher now, and he is kind of falling into that whole thing. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what his reasonings are, uh, but I'll follow up uh, down the line there. I, I want to also go back, since we're going to see, and we have seen this week, a lot of the issue regarding the hurricane and President Trump being blamed for said hurricane with his uh, deal regarding the EPA and some regulatory rollbacks. But they've also been talking about this whole controversy regarding Puerto Rico. And as you know, you know, the mayor of San Juan has been very active and very uh, talkative about this whole thing, even as she apparently is under investigation by the FBI over some mishandling of funds there. Now, that doesn't mean she's guilty, obviously, but apparently a lot of what's happened in Puerto Rico in the aftermath of that storm has been a ton of corruption. Uh, the, this Puerto Rico itself was being run horribly at the time, and so it was set up to the point where you're going to have a hurricane, and at that point you're going to be just that much more behind the eight ball because Puerto Rico was a hellhole. Before all this, thanks to the Democrats who were running it. 
And if I'm the mayor of San Juan, I'm keeping my mouth shut. And also a really fascinating story about this whole 3,000 figure. Because you remember that even on Tuesday, Lester Holt and the gang, they were claiming that there were 3,000 people who died in the hurricane. And apparently that's not true. I mean, even in the aftermath of the hurricane, the death toll they're saying is 3,000. But apparently there's a lot of reasons to not believe that fact. And there's a lot of reasons to believe President Trump when he said, I don't know about that figure. Because remember, when President Trump said, I doubt that it was 3,000, I don't really know the veracity of that, he was accused of, say, uh, of being a client, like, almost like he's a, like denying the existence of Jesus. Oh, President Trump is now claiming there were 3,000 people dead without evidence at all. It's like, well, no, there is evidence that this number is wrong. And I will bring that up to you and bring that uh, to you uh, when we, when we get uh, further into this discussion here. But I do want to know, there's this Sonny Hostin there on The View. Do you all know who I'm talking about? She's on The View, and she is uh, apparently the one who was supposed to be uh, picking up the, uh, the, the slack, I guess, when it comes to situations regarding uh, the, the left wing, but she's supposed to be the, the reasonable Democrat. And she's running along the same line of this idea that the president is responsible for what happened in Puerto Rico. And, you know, Abby Huntsman finally stepped in and was like, uh, lady, you're out of your tree. You need to kind of get your act together here. Now, normally I don't really talk a lot about the view, uh, but this was a good exchange because it gets into this whole bad rap and misinformation regarding really what happened in Puerto Rico. But this went down yesterday. It's to me that a natural disaster has to get political. And right now you're having the blame game where locals on the ground are blaming FEMA. FEMA is, is blaming locals. I don't think President Trump is solely to blame for what happened. Puerto Rico had a number of their own problems before Maria even hit. Uh, they were filing for bankruptcy. They had uh, well, a power grid the, that was in chaos. So that's to, because under the Jones Act, Puerto Rico has has lost $537 million a year. The United States government has pillaged and raped Puerto Rico since what the is, very beginning. What is oh, and listen to these people. And, and, and listen to these people clap. They have no freaking clue. They don't even know what the they wouldn't know the Jones Act if it fell out of the sky on the top of their heads. But they're all, yeah, right, Sonny. You're exactly right. The Jones Act. That's exactly that Jones Act. What's the Jones Act? Yeah, you, you know what they, exactly what they're doing here. It's just because it's anti-Trump that all of these harpies are going nuts over the whole thing. And thank goodness for Abby Huntsman, who was kind of laying it out there and saying, you know what? Come on. This place was run like a crap hole. For for ages there in Puerto Rico, thanks to the Democrats who who do what they do to every city they run, which is run it into the ground and turn it into one big fat ghetto. That's what Puerto Rico's problem was. They had a bunch of people who were uh, grifting with some of the budgetary deals with the situations regarding their money there. And the bankruptcies and everything else, the mayor of San Juan's under investigation by the FBI because of some situations going on, and again, I don't say that means she's guilty. I'm just saying she's there's an investigation underway. So this idea somehow, and they're, and, they're, and they try to kind of dovetail into this idea that President Trump is a racist, 
and and that's really what this is all about is they just want to because the people of Puerto Rico happen to not be white they want to turn this into a this is all president trump's fault and and lie about what happened not only during but in the aftermath of it and this is another example of where a bunch of democrats led sitting democrats in Puerto Rico are are using trump as a convenient excuse for their lack of leadership and their lack of competence when it comes to running a territory and also running a city like San Juan. And we all knew back then, too, that it it was really hard to get aid there because they're not obviously a mainland uh, territory. And so it took a while for things to get there and get things to get to them. So this is all just one big fat lie that has been perpetrated by the media and perpetrated mostly uh, by Democrats. Now let's go to these numbers regarding the Puerto Rico deaths. And President Trump pushed back on this whole situation when they were talking about 3,000 deaths. And in fact, why don't I actually go ahead and go to Lester Holt first from earlier in the week when he talked about the deaths. And you remember when I played this earlier in the week, but I want to go back to it just to give you an idea of the kind of reprehensible reporting that's going on out there. And this time it was on the anniversary of the attacks of September 11th and uh, 2001. And so it makes it even more egregious that they kind of came up with a round number so they could compare the deaths of Puerto Rico to the deaths of 9-11. Here, here you go. Listen to this. President Trump in the Oval Office late today said the federal government is, quote, absolutely and totally prepared to respond to Florence. But he also praised his own much-criticized response last year to Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico, despite the official death toll recently being raised to nearly 3,000 people. That's almost as many lives lost in the September 11th attacks. All right, so President Trump said, um... Hold on a second. I actually don't think that number is totally correct. I think there's some there's some dispute about that number. And then, of course, all the news organizations are like, oh, come on. What, what, how dare you? Are you trying to erase the deaths of those brown people, you horrible white supremacist? And it's like, no, uh, this is uh, pretty correct that, it's in dispute that there were 3,000 people killed in Puerto Rico. And basically what they've been trying to do for a long time is turn the Hurricane Maria situation into some kind of Hurricane Katrina for the president. They tried desperately to make this into a deal where the president could be fully, of course, blamed for the deaths in Puerto Rico. And, of course, Katrina... Uh, where there are a lot of victims who were happened to be uh, black here in Puerto Rico, uh, they they wanted to do, do a similar thing. So uh, CNN made a special effort, according to Breitbart here, to link Hurricane Maria in 2017 to Katrina in 2005, and what they did was they made. A, a media sensation, a star out of the mayor of San Juan. Her name is Carmen Yulin Cruz. She had accused the Trump administration of neglect. But there were a lot of factors that were kind of going against them that the media didn't report. And here's the deal with that. Experts actually praised 
the federal government's response to Hurricane Maria. Uh, because it's so far from the mainland of the U.S., it was difficult, but a lot of experts did indeed praise the federal government's response to that. Uh, there was a disaster expert who was the uh, former Deputy Secretary of Health and Human Services, Tevi Troy, and he said that FEMA actually did a better job managing Hurricane Maria than it did in dealing with Hurricane Harvey in Texas and Irma in Florida. You remember those, right? And this person had been looking at it pretty carefully. Uh, he did serve in the White House under President G.W. Bush, but you know how these po- folks are. These G.W. Bush guys aren't exactly just Trump syncophants, you know. And so uh, other people praise it. And also the Puerto Rico governor, uh, Ricardo Rossello, praised the federal government's response. The, the Puerto Rico governor, the governor of the territory there, he said – on Fox News, he said, uh, the president and the administration, every time we've asked them to execute, they've executed quickly. And then also, uh, Puerto Rico was, before the actual hurricane hit, was, according to this report here from Breitbart, was uh, something of a disaster itself before the hurricane. Mismanagement by the territory's government that led to a debt crisis in recent years. And, of course, the fact that Mayor Cruz is also under investigation by the FBI for corruption. That's Mayor Cruz, you know, the same one the media makes a hero out of because she decides she's going to bitch about President Trump. But they didn't they didn't give up on that. So over the past several months, uh, there have been attempts to cite these new studies that created new estimates of the real death toll of Hurricane Maria. And it was based on models, not by any real death count. So they had some kind of mathematical model where they were able to come up with a brand new death toll. So it's almost like since the time that President Trump was inaugurated, they all decided that they were going to refocus their efforts on the death toll and how they were going to juice it up and increase it somehow. That's at least my opinion, because why are they so obsessive uh, about trying to change the, uh, the death toll? Why are they so obsessive about making this a deal? And I think it's because President Trump is president and they knew that someday there'd be another storm and they knew that maybe this time they could uh, make some headway and pinning the tail on the old donkey, as it were. So here's the problem with this new study because uh, there was a lot of talk that the Puerto Rican government didn't have any confidence to do any accurate death toll, but the media hype around these results were clearly designed to try to hurt the Trump administration. So in 2018, all right, the Washington Post actually put together a list of all the different calculations of deaths in Puerto Rico. And folks, this is fun, isn't it? When you have actual facts. Now, I, I, it's frustrating, though, because at some point, it's not going to matter because the news media is still going to – they came up with that 3,000 nugget, 
which was perfect for the purposes of comparing it to, to 9-11 and perfect for ballooning the death toll so they could blame President Trump for the whole thing. So anyway, the Washington Post compiled an entire list of different death tolls that other organizations had come up with. So the New York Times actually had calculated the Puerto Rico deaths at 1,052 through October. 1,052. So, so obviously, you know, I guess there could be 2,000 people who've died since last October in the aftermath of Hurricane Maria. But let's put it this way. I doubt it. Then there was uh, the Center for Investigative Reporting calculated 985 deaths. And then the professors at the University of Puerto Rico calculated 80, uh, 822 deaths with a 95% confidence range that the total was somewhere between 605 and 1,039 Then at Pennsylvania State University, there was a team there. They calculated excess deaths of about 500 in September or a total of 1,085. That was based on six weeks of mortality records. And then a Latino USA analysis. This is a group that is uh, a Latino support group or, or lobbying group. They said there was updated data from Puerto Rico's Department of Health, and they calculated all that and calculated 1,194 deaths as a result of Hurricane Maria. And the Post also then talked about the new estimates right around the 1,000 mark. Then in June, all out of nowhere in June, okay, this is – Two months ago, or three months ago, a Harvard study came out of absolutely nowhere uh, uh, in the New England Journal of Medicine, estimated the number of deaths at 4,645 instead of the official figure of 64. The researchers conducted a survey and extrapolated the results, which is a it's a horrible methodology when it comes to any kind of uh, of deal here. Horrible methodology. So the number is highly inflammatory at the very least. And there were people who were accusing the president of genocide and everything else. And they, they rounded it to 3,000 for whatever reason, even though that latest one put it at 4,600, which was 70 times more than the official estimates. And, th- and then that's when last month, George Washington University came out with a new study that put it at 2,975, which is where they got the 3,000 number. So how is it possible that there were six, seven different kinds of death tolls that never hovered really much above 1,000. How is it possible that now suddenly it just ballooned to 3,000 after in June ballooning to 4,600? And 
this methodology is really un- horribly wrong. You can't just simply use some kind of model to to deal with with deaths. And how is it possible that uh, you know after the Puerto Rican hurricane, after uh, after a year and a half or so of all the reporting on it and all of the death tolls that were coming from all kinds of different credible sources, how is it possible that within the last two months, two people decided, oh, we're just going to go ahead and increase it 70 times the official estimate? How is it possible? So again, folks, this is why it's so much fun to deal with facts instead of just a bunch of blathering, blithering, blobbering, blubbering, blippering, blappering, left-wing, anti-Trump lunatics in Puerto Rico and in the news business and in politics. These people will lie about anything. So at the very least, you know, when the president said those numbers are in dispute, there's, there are, they are clearly are in dispute. There's no question about that. And these studies done by the New England Journal of Medicine and indeed even George Washington University are not even are not even in any way, shape, or form scientific, it seems. So what I'll do is just for you, because Michael Goldstein, the hoser, decided he wants to uh, know uh, where this is. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and give you guys a link uh, and put that in the comments section of the of the Facebook page. So you guys have it in front of you. So you guys, you guys today can go into, uh, into work and start a fight with a bunch of people over the hurricane. Why not? I mean, everybody else is, do you want you go in and, and, and just say, uh, and just bring it up, you know, to your left wing lunatic. If, if indeed they were either that or just, or just leave the thing, um, just just leave the thing on your on your on your on a desk someplace let me see i, I gotta find I, I'm, I'm i'm right now what i'm doing is i'm looking for my uh trusty uh facebook uh i gotta get it's, it's operating a little slowly here and then I, what i'll do is i'll put it in the comment section and then you've got it for yourself and then you can uh start fights with it and uh and harass people with it and exploit the hurricane there, you you can you can play the same game. You can play the same exploiting the hurricane game. There, just put it up there for you. There you go. And and there it is. Just popped up on there. Uh, Trump is right. Uh, critics are manipulating the numbers. It's right there in black and white for all of you to go ahead and uh, and check it out there. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, check this out. It is, and we are live. From the Discovery Design Studios, it is our national anthem, people.
have credit card debt, Golden Oak Lending has the expertise to show you how to refinance your home and turn its increased value into cash, and you pay nothing out of pocket. People often tell me they didn't call sooner because they didn't think we could save them money. This is James Hawkins from Golden Oak Lending. With our expertise and today's increased home values, we can usually save you money. Call 314-567-GOLD. NMLS 1149-37-111 Westport Plaza, St. Louis, Missouri. Call 567-GOLD. If you change your mind, take a chance, 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 take Discovery Design Studios. Thanks a ton for your support of Radio Free Almond. RadioFreeAlmond.com is where you can find it, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, indeed. All your gear, all your hats, all your shirts, everything else. That's what you can do. And happy Friday, folks. Did you see that tape with uh, Harvey Weinstein, by the way? Blah. Oh, Lord. It was Harvey Weinstein in action. Oh, we've got a really crazy point of view from the Planned Parenthood. Brand new director there who is claiming, well, glossing over the abortion role that Planned Parenthood plays. We've got that for you. She was on The View, so imagine how that whole thing went and also from Joy Behar I, I, you know you guys don't watch The View so I generally don't try to uh, infuse too much of it into the show it's, it's, it's like shooting fish in a barrel most of the time so and, and you don't watch it so it, sometimes I'm conflicted because you you purposely avoid the view and then I'm conflicted because I don't want you to wake up and then be subjected to it when you've spent so much time trying to uh, trying to get away from it you know what I mean I, I don't want to uh, you know bring it to you and bother you that much but I don't know did you see the well you know sometimes things just have to uh, sometimes things just kind of have to be uh, brought to you whether you like it or not NBC interviewed one of these women at the at the beginning of the at the head of the group of individuals who are filing a class action suit against Harvey Weinstein and this is kind of like the first uh, it is, you know, at least it is kind of nice to know I mean we, don't, we need to keep an eye on these people and you know we need to keep them in front because keep in mind while we don't watch the view or pay much attention to it a lot of people do it's kind of like it's kind of like the people magazine of tv there are a lot of pe- people magazine has a really good solid audience i mean they have they're they're a they're a blockbuster organization unfortunately they're a little on the left side, as far as I'm concerned. 
I'm sure Michelle Obama, for instance, is going to be in there with her new book out. I'll, I'll deal with that in a little bit, but... I mean, the cover's pretty... I mean, she looks pretty on the cover and everything, but... I don't know. I, it's going to be another one of these... You know, she and her husband now are on the... Uh, Let's scold America again tour. Let's let's make America scolded again. <laughs> that's the that's the uh, that's the Barack Obama Michelle Obama brand new campaign. Make America feel guilty again. That that's that's their deal. I wonder if President Obama is going to be out there with his uh, on on his on his uh, finger wagging shame on you tour today. I guess I guess he's going to refrain since there's a hurricane. So I guess he's going to just take a break from from bothering us. Thank goodness. Obama. Thank you. Appreciate that very much. Yeah, you know, I know. Yeah, I know. I know President Obama. I I I I'm reminded of that constantly. But yeah, so Michelle's got so make America guilty again, make America scolded again. That's the Obama campaign tour. But I'll get into that book, I guess, at some point. But maybe I could trick her to coming on the air. Oh yeah, I'd like to really, I'd like to talk about your book, and then just uh, be well, nice and polite and everything else, but just question her anyway. This is. Uh, yeah, the not who we are. This is not. I love that too. I love it when, well, the, the the Republicrats do it too all the time. This is not who we are. Oh, really? Who are we? The, uh, the swamp that throws American workers under the bus or uh, continues to ignore black people and their role in the economy is that's not who we are. I don't. I don't know what the, the yet. This is. A, the, the, I'll tell you one thing. Right now, this is exactly who we are. Uh, look at look at what what will happen ultimately with the response to the hurricane, Hurricane Florence. And by the way, as I said at the opening of the show, I'll say it again: President Trump is right again. It's tremendously big and wet this storm, and thankfully, it has been reduced uh, to a Category One by the time it uh, hits land. But that doesn't take away the flooding and all the rain and all that other kind of menacing kind of stuff. But so far, there hasn't been a whole lot of damage uh, that I've been able to see. There, there, the, the damage has come in the form of blown out transformers and there's some natural gas fields that have uh, had issues and maybe, uh, you know, uh, an errant traffic sign pulled out from its moorings and hitting a reporter standing in the way because these guys are falling all over each other out there in the danger zone. It's so fun. It's so interesting. And I know this is kind of, you know, an easy kill too, but it's so interesting how the news media and all these guys spend an entire week telling people to get out, get out, leave. You get, this is too dangerous. And then next thing you know, you turn on the TV, they're standing right there. Well, I'm out of here. It's like dudes, I thought you just told us to get out of there. And there you are. Always happens. It's, it's, like the, it's like the reporters who, in cold weather, are standing outside some freezing, you know, like a homeless shelter or something, telling you to you know, just remember, always wear a hat. And they're not, like, wearing a hat at all. So. Or, or uh, you know, 
make sure you're drink plenty of fluids and blah, blah. it's it's that kind of thing but they they are standing out there so maybe it, the, the, there's a strong possibility that the uh, the death toll from hurricane florence will be only of journalists standing out in harm's way trying to report on hurricane florence after they've told us all to uh, everybody to get the hell out of there so find that uh, very interesting anyway this whole thing with this uh, Weinstein video. So this woman, she was she was working. This is back in 2011, and she was working with this organization where they had a uh, some kind of internet help available to people who are in the movie business, that kind of thing. So she goes to the office, and and because she's doing a presentation or she's going to be using video she has she's actually recording the video which is really interesting and the, and the, and it's for the first time you see Harvey Weinstein this really this disgusting fat beast of a man preying on this young woman it's like it's pretty unbelievable but you know you've heard about Harvey Weinstein and you've heard about these guys but you'd never really actually have seen them in action. Or, or maybe you have seen them in action, like in your own lives. Like you know guys like this. But man, he starts right away into this thing. I mean, there's not, he doesn't even give it a beat before he's sitting there with his fat, disgusting stomach sticking out and, and, and uh, groping this woman and telling her these, looking at her this weird way. And I, I, let me, oh, Julie, Julie, who has friends down there, let me get to get uh, Julie Matthews in here real quickly about uh, what's going on down there because she has a bunch of friends down there in the Carolinas. Hi, Julie, good morning. Jamie, I talked to my friends at the coast. CEO of Regulator Marine Builders of Luxury Boats is doing great and still hiring and doing their part to make America great again. They made it through the hurricane. Actually, Julie, I think you told me about Regulator Marine a while back. You might have told me about that, or I might have mentioned it, and you said, oh, yeah, I know those guys. So, well, good. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad they make it, made it through the hurricane. Uh, Julie had posted a lot of pictures of her friends and stuff, removing all their most uh, intimate and, and beautiful uh, keepsakes from their homes uh, uh, in, the, in the onslaught of Hurricane Florence. So uh, thank you, Julie, for that. Regulated Marine, yeah, I think I, I might have brought that up at one point, and then you chimed in because you knew the people down there. But yeah, they're making luxury boats, and people are buying luxury boats. I wanted a boat, sailboat. Sailing takes me away to where I'm going. That's why I wanted to do that. Is that good, Zach? You, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. Little little Christopher Cross reference there. So you guys see, you know, got to pay, got to pay attention, got to be on the ball, or I'm going to miss you. I love. Do you guys? Okay, can you just give me one second here? Okay. Because I have to tell you, I am, when it comes to guilty pleasures, I am a Christopher Cross fan. Even though I will admit to you, I don't think I have actually any of his music with me that, I, that I've purchased. But I love sailing. Did you guys, do you guys like that, that song? I do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play it. 
and probably get kicked off of Facebook. But I, I and uh, whatever happened to Christopher Cross? Is he still around? Does he still do stuff? Here, I like this. I hope I don't get kicked off. Aw, it's Christopher Cross, people. And Christopher Cross was like this big, fat, well, fat, but cuddly, like, bear guy, you know. Nobody liked him. He's still a little, you know. I like this song, people. Can't we all just relax and get along and listen to Christopher Cross and just sing along with, with sailing? I remember, uh, please don't kick me off of Facebook, Facebook. Don't do that. This can do miracles. I love this song, people. Makes me so relaxed. You forget about these little gems. To never, never land. Come on, people. It's Friday. Yeah, this is a great song. I actually am reminded of this song because I uh, I, I don't want to get kicked off of Facebook. It'll be a, ma- a mess. So I'm just going to kind of put it under under there a little bit. Okay. Takes me away to where I'm going. Aw, I like that. <laughs> so I remember Christopher, I remember this song. This was like one of the that song of... Uh, one of my summers, I think it was like 78 or 77 or something like that. 78, maybe? 79? And uh, I went to, down to Corpus Christi, Texas with my father. We were hanging out down there and had some people who were, uh, I don't know, he had a house. I don't know. I can't remember. We were just, it was just like a vacation, like a summer vacation down at Corpus Christi, Texas, which uh, has changed a little bit since then, but still nice down there. The whole Padre Island, Corpus Christi, Texas area down there. And uh, I remember my, uh, it was really crazy because I had a girlfriend at the time, my little ballerina girlfriend who I loved. And she was uh, a little younger than I was. I think she was a couple classes younger than I was. But she was out somewhere with her family or something. And she uh, came over, she met Came met me over in Corpus Christi, which was kind of a big deal, you know. I'm mean, not his school, and my girlfriend's able to like come and just stay with me for a little while at, at in Corpus Christi with that that day. Didn't spend the night or anything, but and I remember, <laughs> you know, because back in those days, you know, you had your areas and you do your thing, and you would uh, you would um, you just would have with your friends or you'd go out or do whatever but you never like had a full day with your girlfriend normally and uh we didn't uh we didn't we didn't know what to, I didn't know what to do I was like my hot ballerina girlfriend is here in Corpus Christi with me and I don't have one iota of a clue what to do here but it was fun we had a good time <laughs> oh man those days 
Now I got to ruin it with a Harvey Weinstein tale because that's exactly what. How, how did we go? Let me ask you something. Oh yeah, I know how we did. But see, that's why you. That's why you got to love the show because. Uh, uh, oh, you did, Lise? How'd you know that? Well, I, I really, it really kind. I guess maybe that was the reason why it had that romantic. It did have that romantic link to me. That one uh, time down there with my ballerina girlfriend. Maybe that was it in Corpus Christi, Texas. So she actually became a ballerina too, which is pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, I. <laughs> so that's the thing about the show, people, is that you know. I know it's creepy, but how do you start on a tale of Harvey Weinstein and wind up listening to a Christopher Cross song and talking about old girlfriends? I mean, it doesn't seem right, but that's how it works. So I'll kind of go back. We'll take a little, uh, take a little beat. And uh, the uh, – oh, okay, you could, Lisa. Okay, good. You, you guys are on to me all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, Liz. Nice. Anyway, so uh, we'll give it a beat here. One, two, three, four, boom. Okay, now back to Harvey Weinstein. So you never really see, like you hear about these creepy guys, like the Les Moonves guys, and and you hear about all those guys, but you never really uh, know, you never really have seen them in action. Now, I think a lot of you women have seen guys like this. You, I, I, I think there's probably... 100% chance that you all have one time in your lives been subjected to some guy who you're doing something and he doesn't you know, all he wants to do is leer at you and and maybe even heaven forbid try to touch you in an odd way but this was like this was really stomach turning to watch this if this had been my daughter I would have just cut this guy's head off so uh, the Les Moonves and the bed and the thing and all these guys, the way they took advantage of these young women who just happened to come their way and these young women who were so earnest in their desires to do uh, things and, and had a cool job. And imagine this woman who's able to uh, get a, an interview, a, a, a ability to be able to uh, – her name is Melissa Thompson – she was ultimately says she was raped by Harvey Weinstein in a in a uh, in a in a hotel room. That's like, how did these guys get away with this stuff? And and it's really sad because and then are also there is this idea that somehow the women were asking for it uh, to, to for some way, and and so there's always this doubt. Well, were the women really being flirtatious? Were they being this, were they inviting it, blah, blah, blah. And this little piece of video is important because, and, and NBC's covering it only because they're, about, they're getting their ass handed to them about covering up their own problems. But they did a whole thing with this woman, and, it, and, and she happened to be rolling video on her, you know, FaceTime, you know, like, like you have on your computer, rolling the video. Wasn't trying to do it on purpose. She needed it for her presentation. And, she, and you, you see him doing what he's done to probably hundreds of women. Did he force himself on you? He in did. That hotel room? He did. Um, did he rape you? He did. Melissa Thompson was 27 years old when she went to Harvey Weinstein's New York office to pitch a marketing idea. He quickly shooed people out of the room and said, don't interrupt, don't interrupt. And then he locked the door. Thompson has video of the 2011 meeting and gave this screen grab to NBC News. 
Later that day, at Weinstein's hotel room, she says he raped her. I, I can barely, I can barely talk about it now. It, it's, it was so traumatic. So, the video itself, you could see. So what happened was she went there, and and, and the, and and she thought she was going to be meeting with a bunch of people, like to pitch her idea. She thought she was going to be in this big group of people, and and this is Melissa Thompson. It's September 2011, and the 28-year-old is in the Weinstein Company offices in New York City. She's here to pitch her tech startup company's new video platform. And as part of the demo, she's recording the meeting. I mean, it, this is really just so I, – I, it's kind of like seeing a murder happen on camera because you just never see that really happening, and you always hear about it, but, and, and you never see these guys. You always hear about these really creepy guys, but you never really uh, – you, you've never really seen it in action except maybe in your real life yourselves. So what I'll do is I'll go ahead and, and get the video up there. You can listen to it, and then I'll put the video up into the comment section so you guys can actually see it yourself at some point. Uh, don't be watching it while I'm talking about something else, though. Okay, I'm going to give you this video. Okay, I'm going to put. I'm going to give you a gift. Okay, I'm going to put this video up there for you, and but don't then turn it on while I'm talking about something else. Anyway, this is how it all comes down. Yeah. Melissa, Melissa has agreed to talk me through it. She's expecting a meeting with the marketing team, but Weinstein arrives alone, asks staff for privacy, and locks the door. I mean, can you imagine being a young woman like this in 2011? You get this uh, really unbelievable opportunity to meet with Harvey Weinstein and pitch an idea. And you think, first of all, you're going to be with a bunch of people. And then suddenly the this disgusting fat slob, this this monster who came out of like where the wild things are, suddenly walks in with his big fat stomach sticking out. And tells people outside, don't, don't disturb me. And then locks the door. You're thinking, oh, man, this is not going to go. This is not going to go well. And, yeah, Brandy, you're exactly right. None of, none of this is about sex. That's another thing you actually detect from this whole thing. It's all about power. And it's all about manipulation. It's all about just and you can tell, and this is where you actually, when you look at the video, you can really tell what Brandy's talking about here in terms of how these guys look at this. There's not even a, an ounce of romantic setup. I mean, you know, I mean, you know what I mean. I wouldn't. I know that that doesn't happen. What I'm saying is, it's it's not even an appropriate venue for any of this activity. And so, and and he so immediately pounces on her. And kind of suffocates her. That it's just as like wow. This has, and of course, yes, it has nothing to do with with any kind of sex. It has all about it do with him wanting a piece of her, wanting to control her. I think a lot of this kind of goes back to you got to go back in the minds of these guys and look at what kind of relationship they had with their mother, or or they were somehow maybe wronged by somebody in the past, and this is their revenge against women. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but there's something that's really deep-seatedly weird, and uh, 
Yeah, he rolled his chair. He, Harvey Weinstein does look like one of the guys from where the wild things are. All right, anyway. She says that a few hours after this, he raped her. So she, this is the word, this is where it all begins. And I'm not going to, it's hard to hear. So I'm not going to sit here and play this entire thing and make you suffer through not being able to hear what he's saying. So I'll, I'll put the link up there for you and you could see it. But one of the things is, is Melissa Thompson, you could see, and, and this is on video, okay? And she goes, hello, Melissa Thompson. <laughs> she goes, hi, Harvey Weinstein. He's like, <laughs> uh, and he's just, like, <laughs> I mean, it's making my, it's actually making the hair on my arm stand up talking about this old, talking about him. It's like, Ugh. it's kind of like, you know, sometimes like I've, I've felt that way when I have uh, felt like, like there's a something creeping around like a, I don't know, in my, in a, in a house or where you just suddenly get this chill going down your spine. You're like, Ugh. but anyway, uh, so she reaches out to, to shake his hand and she, uh, and he immediately pushes her hand away and hugs her and puts his hand on the small of her back and all over her. It's like, what are you doing, you beast? But it starts right off the bat here. And just, and just kind of rubbing her. It's almost like he's uh, checking her for whether or not she's armed or has a wire or something. I don't know, but I don't think he is. But you could tell he's like moving around. It's like, dude, how, how is it that a man could possibly think that that's an appropriate way to, you know, to, to greet somebody when they've reached their hand out to you, and then you just put, he literally batted it away and started, like, hog, hugging her, but doing this really weird hand gesture. Now, I'm a hugger. I mean, I, I hug. I, I like to hug. I like, to, you know, after I've talked to somebody, usually I, I will hug them. And, and usually it's, it's, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's a man or a woman. I'm just a hugger. I'll hug. But I'm not going to sit there and take you and then start to 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 rub your back like I'm like uh, <laughs> like Pepe Le Pew. Lord, I want to go ahead and and, uh, and oh, and some of you were talking about this New Mexico thing, and I'll get to that in a second. But how's your day? How's your day? I was thinking, okay, he's hugging me. What what do I do now? I was sensing I have to be a little bit more vigilant of this situation than I originally thought. Melissa and Weinstein have met briefly once before, but this is their first formal encounter. So how was it for you? Um, we'll a little bit. A little bit about my Okay, then, all right, then I won't. So um, what do you want? No, it's okay. So, all right, so, so he gets, suddenly he gets really mad. He goes, can I flirt with you? She, and she's like, uh, I, we'll see, just a little. She, what, do, what do you say when you're a woman in that situation? You're about to pitch an idea that is a huge uh, deal, and and suddenly this guy is like, "Can I flirt?" That's Harvey Weinstein for crying out loud, who has your entire future in his hands, and he's like, "Can I flirt with you?" Now, I guess technically somebody could say, "You know what? A woman should just pack up and get the hell out of there." But you know what? Be in New York and be twenty something and be pitching this idea. 
And maybe you can tolerate some guy saying, can I flirt with you? And maybe you'll just say, we'll see. What you know, just joking around. And then suddenly she's so tentative about it, he gets pissed off. He goes, okay, then I won't. What do you want? It's like, you know, it's like, wow. I mean, he suddenly just like changed over. And, you could, and, and suddenly you can see how all this kind of uh, thing unfolds. You, and, and to see this video is to be able to see uh, how these guys really do operate. And also I think it's good to see because it goes to show you that as much as people kind of try to claim that, that uh, women bring this along themselves, and maybe some of them do, I don't know. But this is like this is real. You're seeing this in in real life. This whole thing. So I'm going to go ahead and put the uh, put the video for you up there, so I can move on. And I, I'd like you you guys should see it. I've I've tipped you off to it. You guys should see it for yourselves, uh, and, and that way you can you can make up your own mind about it. I I just think that the the audio is so. Uh, compromise that it would just be kind of uh, uh, frustrating for all of you to uh, listen to it when you can't really hear it very well. But you, you need to see this to, to, to check it out, and, and you'll really see what happens behind the scenes. So any doubt you might have, at least in this case, that a woman is bringing this on, it, it, all those doubts are gone. Any doubt that Harvey Weinstein must have just been um, misinterpreted and it was just him, you know, Wanting to flirt, well, that will be erased as well. So I'll pop that up for you guys, and you can check it out uh, yourselves. Uh, Gia Valenti is on the way. And also we're going to talk about uh, two uh, people who I really, I mean, I really like these guys. And suddenly I'm put in a position where am I really going to have to like them still? Uh, I'm going to still, I guess, because... Al Green impeach Trump? You've got to be kidding me, Al! Oh, baby, we love you, Al. So what's making you do wrong? It's not love and happiness. Why are you doing this? coming out and calling for the impeachment of of President Trump. Why are you joining the Maxine Waters of the world? What What's wrong with you? You're so good. Wait a minute. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Three o'clock in the morning. I love Al Green. And you know what? Talking about how she can make it right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I still love him. Now I just think he's a crazy old black man preacher guy going crazy on President Trump. What else is new? Nothing wrong. Being in love with someone. Come on. How could this guy be calling for the impeachment of President Trump? It's not fair. It's not fair. No. I I ought to be with you, but I can't be on this situation. I just can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. 
only black politicians are the ones who are embarrassing their constituencies. But but you have to imagine that if you're a black citizen and and Maxine Waters happens to be the leading black politician in this country, and she is, by the way, uh, whether whether you like it or not, Maxine Waters is the face of the Congressional Black Caucus and black politicians. That's she's the face of it, whether you like it or not. That's her. And then you have Al Green, who is uh, is the in- person who is uh, saying that the- a crime does not have to be committed for the president to be impeached. Or you have Maxine Waters, who says that, you know, we're going to go ahead and, and impeach President Trump. And then after that, we're going to impeach Mike Pence. And it's like, wait just a second here. You do know that when it comes to uh, I- impeachment and those kinds of things, like that's a real deal. That's a big problem. That's, that's a... That's a deal where you kind of like have to have something on somebody to impeach them. But unfortunately, it doesn't stop Maxine Waters from saying, well, we'll just impeach him because we don't like what they stand for. We'll just go ahead and go and do this because we don't like what they're doing or, or what kind of office they're what they're doing in office, whatever. That's not only wrong and gratuitous, that is totally against any standard of our republic. Like when you when you even talk about like how many black Americans can tell you, and white Americans for that matter, can tell you stories about how they've been wrongly accused of something or uh, how they've been wrongly convicted or something or, or, or whatever. And then you have these black politicians who are more than happy to just simply throw out this idea of impeachment when – there's nothing to impeach them for. And, and, and that the idea of impeaching them, uh, impeaching President Trump, is only a political tool, a way of removing someone from office who you don't like, uh, as opposed to any real act based on crimes they have committed. And so if I'm a, if I'm a black American... I want to like separate myself from the likes of Maxine Waters and separate myself from the likes of Representative Al Green, who's not Al Green. I mean, I want I want to get away from them. Now, some might say, "Oh man, you know what? That's kind of you know racist itself because you're just uh, you know you there are a lot of white people that I mean, every time like Jeff Flake or Ben Sass or any of these other idiots out there who are speaking for you, we don't say he, they're embarrassing to white people." I mean, and and that's true, but the but the issue is that these white people who are reprehensible and embarrassing don't make a big issue out of their whiteness. You know what I mean? That they're not standing on a platform that is built on their minority status, or in this case, their majority status. So, so uh, Al Green is a higher up in the Congressional Black Caucus. All right, so so that that le- adds a level of importance. It adds a race to the matter as well. So that's that's a pretty big deal that he that that he's that high up in that in that situation. So uh, they're attaching race to 
what they're doing. And so, therefore, we're going to talk about race when they're doing it. And I'm going to say, hey, you know what? Uh, this is this is a, an issue and, and uh, you guys should be embarrassed about uh, your people uh, doing this kind of thing. And Maxine Waters is a great example of that. Now, uh, Representative Al Green, who's now Al Green, thankfully, we don't have to deal with having to uh, put away – Al Green music, although I've always been that kind of person who generally, even Bruce Springsteen, who drives me crazy because he's such a left winger, I still like his music. Neil Young, one of the greatest musicians ever born, ever existing, and yet I can't stand his politics. But, you know, I kind of got to listen to him because I love his music. Okay, uh, G is outside, Zach, so you can go ahead and grab her if you can. So... uh then also, like for the only band that I really can't bring myself to to really get into that I, that I actually can say that I actually will not listen to and and will not buy their music. Although the other day, uh, well, not too long ago, I kind of did, and, and it's Green Day. Like I can't stand Green Day, and the reason I can't stand Green Day is because Green Day is unabashedly unpatriotic. Like, they'll, they'll attack, you know, this whole American Idiot CD and that, that production is, it pisses me off on a, on, a regular, on a regular basis. The only time I've ever really, in any way, shape, or form, uh, fallen into the trap of the of listening to them is when I heard this song from uh, on the on the radio once. I'm like a child looking off on the horizon. I'm like, a I'm like this is a pretty good song. Oh, I'm still alive. I'm like this is a pretty this is a pretty darn good song here. What? And keep in mind keep in mind I hate Green Day because they're unpatriotic and American Idiot was out it was also around the time my son was in Iraq, and I just said I just felt really not happy about it. So this is a, I was like listen to the radio go. This is a pretty good good song. I'm like who is this? I'm like I, I, I'd like to know who this is, and suddenly it's like that's a new one from Green Day. I'm like oh no. You've got to be kidding me. So, I did like that song. But Green Day is, is, is in your face unpatriotic, and I don't like that. I won't accept that. Oh, yeah, I will. No, I won't. Yeah, I will. No, I won't. Okay, just a little bit. Just a little bit, I will. Okay. Uh, you know... Uh, Pearl Jam is another example of that, too. But can you tolerate this? Come on in here, Gia. Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson. Hi. Oh, look at you. Thank you. Hi, sweet Gia. How are you?
Were you listening to me when I was talking to uh, about Harvey Weinstein? You were listening? I listened at 6 a.m. Well, anyway, that hug. Did you see the video? No. Okay. Well, he... he, All right. You probably have been hugged like that before, though. Like, you notice when you came in, I hugged you, but I didn't, didn't, like, take you and pull you into me and put my hand and rub the small of your back and everything else, right? No. Like, there's just a way to hug and there's a way not to hug people who you're even familiar with. Yeah. I'm a hugger, though. So I'm a hugger too. I like. I mean, listen. I like hugging. I just it's it, it, it's it when you're big, fat, stomached, where the wild things are. Harvey Weinstein, and there's some innocent little young woman trying to sell a really great thing to you, and you've got a meeting with him. That's not appropriate. No. It's kind of crazy. Agree. But you've probably had that happen, though. Not really. Oh, really? No. Mm-mm. That's because everybody you work with is gay in the theater. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, and I'm just, (laughs) I'm not saying it in a bad way. Not that there's anything wrong with it. I'm just telling you. You go into like the corporate world, you know. Well, actually, I did have a boss once who was a little uh, gropey. Yeah, see, I I knew it. But, you know. All right. Well, so you heard me talking about. Willie. Willie. You like Willie Nelson? No. Oh, you don't like nope. him? Nope. I like his son. His son's an artist. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, but I don't really. I've never been into Willie. Willie's a... Uh... Sorry. Willie? No, no. It's okay. <laughs> I, you know... For those that do like Willie, I'm just not... It's, it's weird because Willie Nelson really never, never was up there in my country music mm-hmm. or uh, country rock kind of Hall of Fame area there. Right. I just, you know, but but he's got a great voice, and, and I like it when he sings with, uh, I think he sang a great uh, 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 Beer for My Horses is one that's really a great song that he sang with, uh, let me just see if I have it here. I don't know whether I have it. Do you like that song? Oh, Toby Keith sang it, but the other guys did too. Uh, Toby Keith has a beer for the horses, but... He sang this uh, with Waylon Jennings, and okay. like Waylon Jennings is like really cool right. to me. But, yeah. but 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 Willie was always kind of like, uh, and somebody mentioned Merle Haggard. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> the, Willie Nelson was always kind of like, uh, like you have Coca Cola, you have Pepsi, and, and Willie Nelson was always kind of like <laughs> vest soda to me. Like he wasn't even RC, but nonetheless, you know, I, I think he's uh, he's got a great voice and, and I like him. Well, now apparently he has made everybody crazy because he decided to go out and stump for Beto O'Rourke down in Texas, like literally who's running against Ted Cruz, right? Who uh, literally is is uh, in a neck and neck race. Although I happen to think that it's not as uh, Tough of a of a race as um, as people say it is. I can't imagine in Texas that uh, that Ted Cruz is going to be defeated. I noticed George W. Bush isn't stumping for him, and and, and I guess I get that, but I can't imagine Ted Cruz losing the Senate I, seat. Nor can I. I. I mean, I think a lot of this is is where we're being. Hillary Clintonized by some of these pollsters, don't you think? Perhaps. 
Because you notice in Florida, too, apparently this Gillum dude is polling ahead of DeSantis in Florida. It's like, there's no, no way. way. I yeah. mean, there's just, as, there's, there's just not a chance that that really is uh, – that's going to happen. But anyway, it's apparently uh, – So Will, Willie's backing Beto O'Rourke. Because, and, and at that point, it's like, dude, why would you, if you're Willie Nelson and you have all these fans down there – and, oh, you know, Father Tom asked, or somebody asked yesterday about Shasta. Is Shasta still a yeah, thing? I think it's still out there. Is it still out there? What about Tab? Oh, Tab's out there. Is it? Oh, yeah. Huh. I, they still have the pink can and everything. Really? Oh, yeah. It looks the same. Wow. Yeah. I haven't seen Tab in years. It's, it's uh, maintaining your brand. That one is. Tab, back in the day when Tab came out, and it was like among the first sugar-free sodas. Yeah. Whatever they put in there to make it sugar free, you could taste it. It was like it was like Whoa. drinking turpentine in your <laughs> I don't know how people like turpentine. but Tab was really Tab although I'm I don't want to get sued for this, but Tab tasted like cancer to me. <laughs> if cancer had a taste, if, that if would cancer be a, had a taste tab. tab definitely back in the day, like my sisters would always drink it because they were all, you know. Wanting to be, be thin, thin and right. that was the groovy thing, right. and, and having a pink tab can in your hand was, you know, cool and everything <laughs> else. Uh, but but it tasted like cancer to me. I will tell you that. I, they've, I'm sure they've improved upon their taste. So I hope Tab doesn't sue me for saying that. Anyway, so yeah, he's so if you're Willie Nelson, though, it's one thing for Willie Nelson to like do a concert for Obama, right. or you know what I mean, like. Yeah. But but you're like right in your neck of the woods. Like you're right in your your wheelhouse. I mean, you're Willie Nelson. Does and, he live in Texas or does he live in? Uh, Willie's. Or, I think Willie's a Texas guy, not a Tennessee, Tennessee guy. guy. Okay. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Willie uh, is like Waylon and those guys. Okay. Those guys are all like Texas guys, gotcha. and Merle Haggard. I think those are all Texas guys. Okay. You know, in country music, it's interesting because you have the uh, the Nashville sound, right? You have more of a Texas sound, and then you have a Bakersfield sound mm-hmm. in California. It was always very interesting to me. Yeah. My dad taught me that because he, my dad was a big Buck Owens fan, and Buck Owens was a Bakersfield sound country music guy, and, okay. and he he would, uh, you know, have his flashy clothes. They they they're the ones who had the rhinestones yeah. and the and the flashy oh, yeah. clothes and the mm-hmm. and the big guitars and and you know and 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 the sound was a little different mm-hmm. than it was in Nashville. It was less. Uh, twangy, a mm-hmm. little more, you know, um, I don't know, rock and rolling, I guess, for the lack of a better word. Yeah. Uh, rockabilly type of rockabilly, stuff. Rockabilly, yeah. Yeah. And so I think those guys are from Texas. But you're down there in Texas, and, and this is your, your wheelhouse. I mean, you're Willie Nelson. Why would you, why would you put yourself into a race this important? And, and what happened is Willie Nelson got hammered by a lot of his fans for this. They went on his, fa- they went on his Facebook page and just got, like, we're, we're livid about it. Yeah. It's crazy. But Beto O'Rourke was on uh, the Stephen Colbert show. Wonderful. Uh, and, 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 of course, you know, Colbert, these guys, these guys love these guys. And here, let, me just, let me turn this. Out. Oh, and he comes out and gets, uh, gets the handshake. And then uh, what happens during the show in a break, there's a Ted Cruz commercial. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. 
Ted Cruz bought time on the Stephen Colbert that show. Is fantastic. And yeah, it it, it turned into a, a great ploy. One thing about Ted Cruz, and I noticed this when he was running against President Trump in the in the primary, and I didn't really. I like Ted Cruz uh, as a person. I thought he was a really smart guy. I interviewed him for the, uh, the, the, the TV show, gave him an entire half hour, and sat there with him and everything else. But there, there wasn't, I knew there wasn't a chance in hell Ted Cruz would be president of the United right. States. There was no way. And so I wasn't a, a, big, a big fan of his. And so I kind of... Uh, had some sour taste in my mouth, even from some of his fans, because they were they were they were also really horrible. Some of these people, because mm-hmm. to Trump supporters, mm-hmm. uh, Trump supporters, I, I guess, probably weren't really nice to Cruz people either. But the, the worst criticism I got, the worst stuff I got from people, was when they were with, with, as, as Cruz people, Cruz fans. Oh, they mm. they tweet me and really? tell me I wasn't a real conservative, and the Cruz people kind of had an attitude a little bit mm-hmm. to some degree because they were like if you were a Trump supporter, you weren't a real conservative. You were like really just a right. liberal, and you're just you know fake liberal, fake Republican, that kind of thing. And so the Cruz people kind of had an attitude. So it wasn't it wasn't enough that they supported Ted Cruz; they had to actually like uh, debilitate right. You as a Trump supporter, right. and that happened all the time. And okay. and I don't know, you're not really on Twitter, are you? No, no. Okay, well, Twitter was where a lot of that kind of happened. A lot of the the uh, that kind of stuff happened where the people there was a lot of hate going on with with okay. the Cruz people. But nonetheless, I always had a great deal of respect for him. And then and then when he uh, lost, uh, he was a, very graceful about it. And then in the Senate. Uh, in the first 600 days of Donald Trump's presidency, uh, Ted Cruz was uh, was very supportive. He, he was, and, and, and I always thought that Ted Cruz was a was the quintessential senator because he was disruptive. And that's exactly the way the Senate should be. It was created by the founding fathers mm-hmm. to be a disruption and to slow things down. And uh, Ted Cruz um, actually was a perfect senator. So I was glad that he he uh, he did that. But and I I want him back in the Senate, so I'm going to support him. But nonetheless, I didn't think that he was going to uh, uh, going to win the presidency. Right. There was no way. He just didn't have right. the. He didn't have it. He wasn't uh, presidential. Yeah, I, yeah, right. So presidential. I, yeah, right. And I don't even know. I still don't know what being presidential means. Being of the president. Yeah. President. I, I still don't know. <laughs> I do know that one of the things about President Trump is being presidential is being correct a lot. And President Trump has been correct a lot. A lot. I was thinking about this yesterday when I was hearing the discussion about uh, of uh, the FBI guys and the mm-hmm. new texts that have been released and how uh, they were trying to cover their tracks because once President Trump got elected, which they didn't expect – they suddenly knew he was going to have access to all their classified stuff, mm-hmm. and they were freaking out. Yeah. And at that point, uh, but I, re- I re- recall, remember President Trump said, I've been wiretapped? Remember that, that tweet mm-hmm. that went out? And yep. everybody like freaked out, like, how could you get that? So, hey, that's, that's crazy. You're nuts. And maybe it wasn't the actual definition of wiretapping. Right. But he was definitely being spied on. Yeah. 
There's no question about right. it. And he was right about that. Mm-hmm. He was right about the economy. He was right about trade. And you know what? He was right, since everybody's mind is on that hurricane down the Hurricane Florence, he was right about the dispute over the death toll from Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico. Uh-huh. He was absolutely right about that. Everybody was like, wait a minute, you can't say, you, you can't say that, uh, you can't deny that 3,000 people died there. And, and President Trump's like, um, there are a lot of people who deny that that there is a uh, that there's a disp- uh, that there are 3000 people died in fact I just gave and you guys have it on your Facebook now cuz I gave you the messages there and I talked about it this morning so I don't need to beat it to death but the fact of the matter is it's absolutely in dispute and in fact the latest figures of 3000 or more uh actually it's 70 times the average death toll that uh, that other organizations have decided was the death toll. So it's 70 times that number, and it just so happens they came up with a number, oh, two months ago, this three, this whole 3,000 mm-hmm. number. Before that, it was 4,000, and, and the reality is none of that has been proven in any way, shape, or form. And, in fact, the model they used, and it surprises me that the New England Journal of Medicine would do this, but the model they used was was based on a – Model. It was not based on any factual things. It was based on a formula mm-hmm. as opposed to any real facts. That's not proper methodology when you're coming up with a, with a number that also ultimately will summarily be used by the news media like this. President Trump in the Oval Office late today said the federal government is, quote, absolutely and totally prepared to respond to Florence. But he also praised his own much-criticized response last year to Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico, despite the official death toll recently being raised to nearly 3,000 people. That's almost as many lives lost in the September 11th attacks. So they use the number, which is uh, not conclusive. And also, by the way, Lester, it's not the official death toll. I, 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 I don't even know what an official death toll is or what you would call an official death toll. But that number is not an official death toll. It, it, it came from either – well, pick or choose two studies that, that inflated the number. It came from the New England Journal of Medicine, and that's not – they're not the ones who come up with an official death toll. And it came from the uh, George Washington University, which again did not – they did a study, but that's not the official death toll. So that, that's just a lie – outright that it's even an official death Mm -hmm. toll but that's why these numbers and that's why the facts are important go back in that uh, in the early feed where i put the where i put the the link up there so that you can go in today and if you feel like it start a fight with people who are talking about puerto rico just do that or just or just print it out and leave it on your co-worker's desk who's an annoying left winger who, who never misses a chance. Kind of like when I get, when I get uh, text messages from Mark Kaysen. Oh, did you hear about this? It's like, yes, Mark, I did. And I sent him another link that refutes everything he just said. So that, but that's what you need to do. 
if you want to so get into a fight. So you just argue with Mark by sending links. It's very, that's a very easy way of arguing. Well, I like it. Well, and, well, I will say I will say things, but the links are not just some article. They're usually they usually contain facts. I mean, right. they they're, 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 well, sure. they have facts in them. Right. So so, but this one is like this article that I put up on the on the page is full of facts. I mean, it's it's very fact friendly to all awesome. of you. Awesome. Yes, it is. All right, and then uh, do you watch the View? No. Okay. Well, I don't want to. Uh, I, I'm conflicted about the view because oftentimes I know a lot of these folks uh, try to avoid watching the view. So you spend all day trying not to watch the view. Do you watch the view? No. So you search information. Yeah. And things like their ridiculousness pops up. Oh, yeah. And then you tell us about yes. it. Yes. Okay. But, so. but, 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 the, but the only problem with that is, and I've, I've thought about this a lot, is that I'm conflicted because if you guys spend all your time not watching The View, why, when you come to Radio Free Almond, am I, am I subjecting you to The View? So I understand the conflict there. So I'm thinking, oh, I don't know. I, I, should I really – if you guys spend all your time avoiding it and you come to me and I give it to you, that doesn't seem to be the right thing to do. But nonetheless, I do think it's important uh, to let you know what your enemies are up to. We like it. And, and so I want to, you need to know like what these people are doing because keep in mind, for all of us who don't watch The View, there are still a lot of people who do watch The View. And yeah. it's, their, it's, their law, it's their sole source of information. Right. And so uh, they, they, will, they will watch The View and then they will um, tell the, tell the come, world. <laughs> come back and then and, and they, won't, they, won't, they won't quote The View. They'll just quote something they heard on The View. Right. And they heard somebody clapping about it, so they figured, oh, that's got to be true. True, right. So they'll come in and, and rub your nose in it. Uh-huh. Like, here's a good example of this. And, and thank goodness for Abby Huntsman, who's the lone uh, – she's on Fox, you know, Abby Huntsman. Yeah. She's John, John Huntsman's daughter. John Huntsman, you know, John talks in Chinese to everybody. He knows Chinese. Remember he was running for president? He's <laughs> like, you know, if I'm elected president, I'm going to China. I'm going to give them a speech in Chinese. Because I know Chinese. It's like, great. That's all we need is an American president running over and speaking in a different language in another country. Although uh, if they're going to speak another language, you should do it in their country, not ours. Right, exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but I, I don't need my president to go over and start talking in the language of the country they right. happen to be in. It's, it's, it's better when the, when, the, when, the, when the president of the United States speaks English. Correct. Always, normally. Yes, I agree. You know. Except I know Kennedy did the whole ick bind, I'm blind <laughs> Berliner or whatever that was. That one, I think. But, but rarely, I mean, Obama used to do it all the time, you know. In the words of my Swahili genius, okay, thank you. And he'd speak Spanish and everything else. But no, this is so Abby Huntsman, John Huntsman's daughter. John Huntsman speaks Chinese to everybody. You know, I hope you know. I hope you know John Huntsman knows Chinese. He actually, John Huntsman's like one of the nicest guys that ever lived. You know, he's just annoying because he was running for president and was Mister Anti Republican guy. Finishes his S's with S H's. John Huntsman. Yes, and then and then Abby uh, Huntsman is cool though. So she's on, and she basically tells the View people that they're so full of crap over. Puerto Rico and the hurricane, and that that and that the Puerto Rico was already a crap hole before the hurricane came. In fact, to tell you the truth, and and, and I'm not stretching this a little bit, 
given what I'm hearing about how Puerto Rico and all this money is being infused in there, even by private companies building housing and stuff like that, the hurricane might have actually helped Puerto Rico. I'm not kidding you. Because they were able to rebuild uh, areas that otherwise were just going to sit there as crap holes as it is. is. I'm just telling you. Here's Abby Huntsman getting it all. Sad to me that a natural disaster has to get political. And right now you're having the blame game where locals on the Mm -hmm. ground are blaming FEMA. FEMA is, is blaming locals. I don't think President Trump is solely to blame for what happened. Puerto Rico had a number of their own problems before Maria even hit. Uh, they were filing for bankruptcy. They had uh, well, a power grid. In fact, the mayor of San Juan, who is being heralded and has been as some kind of hero, is now currently under investigation by the FBI for corruption. Right. And I'm not saying that means she's guilty. I'm just saying she's under investigation by the FBI for corruption. And chaos. So That's to- because under the Jones Act, Puerto Rico has, has lost $537 million a year. The United States government What's has pillaged and raped Puerto Rico since what the is, very beginning. What is the Jones Act? The Jones Act means- yeah, so they're, they're all, everybody's clapping for this. Uh, yeah, you're right. That Jones Act was terrible. What's the Jones Act? <laughs> It's like, you know, because of that. But but that's why I need to bring you this stuff, because people in the audience are people just like the people you have to encounter every single day. And so you need to be aware that these some of these harpies, what they say and all the people clapping for them. This is your world that you're entering into this morning when you're entering into a school or you're entering into a, a a workplace or what have you. Uh, this, these are these people in the audience are view people. Some of them, so beware. You know what bothers me more are people who are silent or neutral or they don't want to talk about it. That really, I'd rather go toe to toe with a far to the left person than those that, oh, you know, mm, I don't really. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That no. makes me yeah. crazy. I don't like and politics. Those, those are the people that I'm with a lot, and I, I it's. Really, yeah, that's uncomfortable for me, and, and it and, also makes me concerned that people are not educating themselves I, either way. That is the complacent folks really, really get under my skin. Yeah, well, that's you why you need I, to care. You need yeah. to know. You need to have an opinion, one way or the other. This kind of wishy-washy, you know. Uh, well, makes, that's why I think not- ultimately, when when twenty twenty comes around, that's why I think President Trump's going to do even better. Than, than he did in 2016, because a lot of those people you're talking about are like, I don't know, I, well, I'm kind of on the fence, are like, huh, this economy's going pretty well. My neighbor just bought a boat, and my <laughs> right. wages are increasing, and uh, some of the people I know who have been complaining about uh, the economy and lack of jobs suddenly have, have them, jobs, so right. I'm kind of like that. So they're, they're subtly getting it, I think, uh, and, and understanding it, but you're right, that is, that is very frustrating, because what happens is, uh, they make it possible for people like Hillary and other people with really bad ideas right. to kind of push them through. You got you got to care, and you got to know too uh, that uh, that that people like Joy Behar are around because she's going to be. Unfortunately, the real power is in the presidency, and, and that's what it is. Yeah, he's the one who calls the shots, so he has to take Especially the blame. When it comes to George FEMA. W. sort of back, back apologized and said, you know, he didn't do well, the he right. Had to. He had to. It was a this disaster, man will never apologize if he lives another twenty years. God forbid, not much. If he lives another twenty wow. years, I mean, that's the kind of stuff you're getting on the view. Right. That and and one of the reasons why. Uh, 
like you point out, Gia, the people you know sometimes who don't really care. And, oh, yeah, I think I heard them talking about assassinating President Trump. But, uh, you know, why, why you need to really be concerned. This is why you have Trump supporters being beat up, why you have Trump employees being accosted in restaurants, why you have Republican candidates being confronted by goofballs with switchblades in their hands, and why you have Trump supporters getting hit with bike locks by people in Antifa because of the Joy Behars of the world who are paving the way and making this and, and making death talk and and beating talk and anti-democratic talk part of the vernacular now. And so it just simply rolls off their tongues. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's kind of like when, you know, like I, I think the people who are were our worst enemies in 2016 and who indeed uh, – it largely paved the way for a lot of the violence we saw were unfortunately Republicans. Uh, it, it wasn't necessarily the uh, the Democrats or the left wingers that I was that I was mostly afraid of. It were the, it was ultimately wound up being the the uh, the Glenn Becks of the world and the Mitt Romneys of the mm-hmm. world and the Lindsey Grahams of the world, and the John McCain's, and the Ben Sasses, and some of the members of conservative media, uh, and, and there were a lot of them, who disparaged President Trump, but more importantly, disparaged the people who vote for him. Mm-hmm. And, and when, when you call President Trump Hitler, it stands to reason that the conclusion that's going to be made by these individuals about you voting for him is that you're just like Hitler too. Right. And that put a target on the backs of people. And I, I hugely resented, and, I, and that's why I, you know, I, never, I never want anybody to, um, to fail. I, I don't like to watch people fail for no reason. Uh, but, but if you're a person like Glenn Beck, I, I'm sorry to say uh, there's a certain level of comeuppance uh, for you when you have spent time making the lives of those of us who supported President Trump miserable. And, and believe me, at the state level, these, these Republicans are all over the place. In fact, there are, there are more never-Trumpers in Missouri state government than you think there are, mm-hmm. and these were the people who are the never-Greitens people also. They're the most they're, – they're the dangerous ones. The ones who had the uh, statewide GOP who go to a county fair – and purposely avoid hanging Donald Trump sign up, those are people who you need to be, mm-hmm. you need to be very afraid of. And to your point earlier, Gia, uh, these people who claim they don't have it, they, they won't take a position. These Republicans are purposely not taking a position because they don't want to give Trump any more credibility. Right. That's, that's, their, that's their issue. Mm-hmm. So there you go. You want to call Jim Hoft, the gateway pundit? Sure. Let's do it. Let's do this. Let's do it. Are you going to talk about Corey Yeezy, by the way? No. Oh, you're not? Okay. He can. I'll listen. I had an issue with the gateway, with with the uh, coverage of 9-11 at uh, the girls' school, which I thought was... at a girls' school? Yeah, well, not the girls' school. At the girls' school. Oh, your girls' school. Grade school. You had a problem uh, with it? I guess Jimmy didn't wake up in time. I don't know what his deal is. Hello. Oh, hey. How you doing, buddy? Hey, Jim. Hi, Jamie. How's it going? It's going great, man. How are you doing? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. We We're... have a big conference coming up. 
Starting off, uh, actually, we started off last night, Jamie, and we have some amazing people who are in town with us this weekend at the Gateway Eagle Council. Um, last night, uh, General Flynn came in. He hasn't made any public appearance in, as you know, months and months. Um, he's here in St. Louis. Uh, I met with Charlie Kirk, met with Mike Cernovich, Jack Posobiec. Of course, Ed Martin is working with, with me on this project. Uh, it's the Eagle Council, and uh, this year, Gateway Pundit is, is joining them for their annual event. The Schlafly brothers were there. Um, we have uh, Rose Tennant, a radio host from Pittsburgh. We had uh, uh, Dominic uh, Charchinski from, uh, he's a Polish MP. He's in town. Uh, a funny guy, too. You know, you meet some of these people, you're not sure what they're like, but this guy was pretty funny. Um, anyway, there's a lot of uh, top conservatives who are going to be in town this week for the Gateway Eagle Council. So now when when does it all kick off? Are you saying, that, is it this, how did I not know about this and... What the what the hell? Because I mean, I want to I want to I'd love to talk to a guy like Cernovich and these guys. Are they are they in town now? or Are they coming Absolutely. in town? Absolutely. Oh, they are. Absolutely. Uh, they're in town now, and uh, I'm hoping that you uh, could come join us for part of the weekend. Yeah. You know, um, a lot of these top personalities are here. I I know uh, uh, Pamela Geller who was a regular, has been on your show for a long time. Uh, she's coming in. Uh, James O'Keefe is in town. Um, and so uh, we have uh, brought together really a, a great collection of conservatives, really grassroots leaders. Oh, who, very who, cool. Of, of course, who, who are your allies, by the way, um, are, are in town. And uh, we're, it's a, the conference is at uh, the Marriott at the airport. And uh, we have uh, sold quite a few tickets, by the way. And uh, General Flynn's going to be honored tonight. Uh, we also have uh, Charlie Kirk and Candace Owens from Talking Points USA, Turning Point USA. Jeez. Uh, they're, they're both coming in town. And uh, so uh, they're speaking tonight. Um, and uh, Mike Cernovich is going to show his part of his movie at 9 o'clock late tonight. So it's all happening at the airport Marriott, and I'm sh- definitely uh, have you on the list as uh, media to be out there. So um, uh, I just hope you can uh, come out and join us. I think you're going to really uh, enjoy a lot of these people, many who you already know. And uh, it's uh, I, Jamie, I think it's going to be one of the most exciting conservative events we've had in St. Louis in a long time. Oh, absolutely! It's such a it's such a a uh, a, a great thing you guys are are doing there, and I and I really appreciate uh, right. the the invite, and especially I'm going to try to hook up right. with. What's that? Yeah, I was just going to say uh, for your listeners, they can go to Gateway Pundit, okay. and at the very top of the page, there's a link that goes directly to uh, the the conference website. And I believe um, there, you know, there's a few special events that they can buy tickets to if they want to come and just sit in on on, on different parts. But uh, I'd I'd urge them to get their tickets today. I don't know how long we'll be selling them because, of course, you know we have to. You know how it is today in this the world we live in. You you basically have to check out who's buying the tickets so you you're sure you don't have some big uh, Antifa or. Uh, in the case with Pamela Geller, she's been threatened for years, yeah, as right. you know, by uh, ISIS and different groups. And so we have to be very careful. Um, unfortunately, the world we live in today, Jamie, uh, the left has gone berserk. 
Um, they're very violent, you know this. Uh, and uh, so you, you just have to be very careful when you're a conservative in America today, as you know, because you've been a huge victim of uh, li- liberal violence yourself. So uh, um, anyway, yeah. uh, it's, it's going to be a great uh, weekend, and I'm sure I'll see you out there. Well, no doubt about it. Now, uh, when is Pamela going to be in town? Do you know? Pamela is speaking Saturday afternoon. Okay. And um, I can tell you that she will be at her uh, event in the afternoon. She's coming in. Uh, she won't be in today. Yeah. Um, but uh, she, she, yeah, I don't, you yeah. know, she, obviously she has to uh, not disclose. Oh, I know. She travels. Yeah. I'll, I'll text you know, her and so. just figure it out because lately she's been so busy and and can't do her mornings. Uh, you know, we've, we've had we're going to have to be a situation where I tape her later uh, for for the show because she wants to be on the show but can't always be live in the morning. So I'm going to hook up with her. I'll, I'll text her and just see if I can hook up with her uh, when when she's in uh, in town. And yeah, this is the, the one of the reasons why I want to make sure to to uh, kind of touch base with some of these people is because in October there's going to be some pretty big news regarding my situation. Uh, and what happened at ninety seven one, and so in October, ultimately, there's going to be some pretty big uh, things going on that I would want to hook up with these folks uh, for to talk about. And, and you'll be the first to know, by the way, ultimately um, uh, as well when when this goes down in October. So I want to make sure I get into that stream there where we can go. But you guys, are, you, you guys go. do you, you guys do great work, and and the, the Gateway Eagle Council. Uh, still is Phyllis Schlafly is, is such a great organization, and I know Ed does great work with them, and I know that uh, you're a big supporter of that. And you know Cernovich, a lot of people uh, I think who are part of in in our whole who run with us, uh, Jim know who he is. I mean, back in the day, this is a guy that was so helpful in social media circles, much like Jimmy Hoff was. Uh, he got banned all the time and pulled off Twitter and, you know, but and, and he really took on some of these left-wing lunatics and he was a, a good, incredible resource there on the internet and, and in social media for President Trump. Oh, absolutely. Mike Cernovich is, uh, if people don't know, Mike Cernovich was one of the, I, I, I would risk to say he was one of the leading causes on how Trump got elected. Um, he was breaking stories. He was questioning the media during 2016. Uh, he was getting information. And I'm telling you, uh, Mike would put up tweets, and I, I got to meet Mike then. I would put the stories up on Gateway Pundit, and then Matt Drudge at the Drudge Report would put those stories up on uh, Drudge. And uh, it would change the narrative of the election. Mike was the first one to question Hillary's uh, physical abilities. And, uh, and, and, of course, the media today will call that a conspiracy, and yet anyone in their right mind, and I'm talking people who are sane in this country, people who are uh, living in the real world, can look at Hillary Clinton and all of these different episodes and all of her falls and know that something's seriously wrong with that woman. Um, so uh, Mike was behind a, a lot of different uh, things that were going on. He's a wonderful person. He's from Illinois, by the way. Oh, he is Midwest stock. I didn't know uh, that. Yeah, yeah, originally. And uh, but uh, he he has. Uh, I certainly got a lot of stories from him that would go directly up on the Drudge Report. And uh, so he was a huge influencer during the election. He still is, and he has great contacts. 
Um, unfortunately, though, Jamie, and you know this, and you've experienced some of this, I've experienced some of this, um, because he is so effective, um, we have, a, a, you know, the power-hungry liberals today. Uh, he's a, he's a, a pretty big target for them. He gets, he gets uh, a lot of uh, hateful, uh, as you know, uh, tweets and a lot of uh, uh, threats uh, for him, his family, his daughter. And it's pretty disgusting what the left has become in America today. Um, I'm, I'm praying. I know you're praying. I know the good, the good Christians in this country are praying that we don't let this evil force, the Democrat Party, uh, get in any power um, because uh, we're, we're seeing just how devious and, and uh, de- destructive they are. And so uh, anyway, we're, yeah. uh, Mike's, been, Mike's been a warrior all along. Oh, yeah. And, and, and the reason and one of the things that, that must be remembered is that uh, when it comes to you guys like this conference today, uh, or, and this weekend, people need to realize that the people who are doing the really true, tough work are the people who are at these conferences, the Candace Owens of the world, the Charlie Kirks of the world, the Jimmy Hoffs of the world, the Cernoviches of the world, uh, and, and the Pamela Gellers of the world, because you, can't, you, you can no longer rely on even traditional conservative media to, uh, to, 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 for help. You, you can't rely on them anymore. What happened there? Oh no, I think it disconnected. Hold on, I'll call him back. He's, he's he's I think he's at a the the place. So he's at like the hotel or something like that. Uh but I, I think that's why we couldn't get him initially. I don't think he, he might not even know we're off, but it just kind of hooked off. Hello, this is Jim. I'm sorry I missed your call. Please yeah, he must be. I'll a, get back to you in a dead zone there. I'll just try to call him again and see, but we might have to just say goodbye. Um. This might be. Um... Hello, this is Jim. I'm sorry I missed your call. <laughs> okay. Please leave a message. I'll get back yeah, to you. Right. Oh, I'll just I'll tell we'll Thanks. talk later because it, 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 we won't bother with it at this point. Um, but but I will I will to to my point. At the tone, please record. Okay, your lady, message. I don't want to just leave me alone. I'm done. Uh, to to my point, um, I'm talking to that lady. I want to talk to that lady. Uh, to my point, you, Jimmy and Pamela and these folks out there uh, are your friends. They're, they are people who are doing the hard work, taking the hard hits and everything else. You can't even rely these days on your, some of your traditional uh, conservative media resources because uh, they are run, uh, operated by people who uh, are uh, not interested in helping advance your causes. They're just not interested. Mm -hmm. And some of these places are existing on a very slim platform that will be pulled out from them at a moment's notice if they start making any noise. And uh, one of the reasons why I believe it was so easy for Entercom to pull me off the air, for instance, is because I was the only person at that radio station who was a leading supporter of President Trump. And, and, and I will say that I helped in large part uh, get him 
elected in at least this area of Missouri and, and was, was at, the, at the forefront of that uh, and, and uh, was the only person at 97-1 who supported him from the very beginning. And, and other people uh, kind of eventually pretended they did, uh, but even they really didn't. They're, everything that they were saying, everything that they were doing was all because they had to to keep you guys listening and 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 they did it begrudgingly. I promise you that, and still do for that matter. But he was never the choice, and so it was easy for them to kind of take me out because uh, and 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 it helped in the end. Uh, this guy who uh, David Field, who runs Entercom, the CEO, who who uh, I think got got the company probably gifted to him at his bar mitzvah. <laughs> Um, he has he has no interest in advancing conservative causes in this country. They own radio stations all over the place, and if they had their way, they would shutter ninety seven one. Believe me, if they if they really if they really wanted to do what they wanted to do, they'd close that thing down. And they and they, all, all they would do is put uh, KMOX on ninety seven one like they did in Chicago, mm-hmm. where they just. Remove the FM station, put the AM station on the FM station, and that—that's what they've wanted. And I and I know for a fact they've always wanted Cardinal Baseball on an FM outlet. But what I'm saying to you is, though, uh, they uh, don't. And and the only reason, because they were looking, they were snooping around because they they were shocked that I was uh, making so much money for the radio station. They were shocked that my ad revenue was as high as it was they they were they were floored by it because they don't have any conservative radio stations and and, and they don't they 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 have no idea what we do they had no idea about the loyalty of our audience now they do though <laughs> Uh, because of course they've lost so many people, and they're having to give away ads just to keep the people they have on there because they've been decimated. Uh, and and David Field uh, didn't realize that because he's cloistered in his left wing chino pairing uh, wearing liberal enclave there in Philadelphia, where these guys all sit around and circle jerk about uh, liberal politics, and that's what they do. And so. He had no idea. They thought you guys, they thought all of you were just a bunch of rubes, and they still do. Uh, I'll just give you stories about how some of their attorneys treat my attorneys. They, they, they act like they're just a bunch of elitist, effete, liberal trash, and they have no concern at all for you. They think you are all a bunch of rednecky rubes. Uh-huh. That's what they think. I promise you that. And, and and they've got a death grip on the balls of pretty much everybody over there. And so, believe me, you're not going to get a whole lot of a, a lot of cheerleading that otherwise you might get in terms of of some conservative causes. I'm just telling you that. I'm not trying to just. There are a lot of good people over there. I'm just saying. But 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 unfortunately, they all have to make a living too. They all have to survive too, and by cutting my head off publicly like that, they've showed the rest of the gang over there that you better cooperate, or you're or, or we'll do that to you too. So keep in mind. That's why people who are at this conference, the Jimmy Hoffs of the world, the Gateway Punts of the world, Pamela Geller, all those kind of folks are so valuable to you because they honestly do have 
your back and they do respect you and and that's just that's just the way that it is so just be warned that some of your normal sources of information and even at the level of Fox News you know uh the only people the only reason that they have Tucker Carlson on and Laura Ingram on and Sean Hannity on is because those three people make Fox News gobs of, of money. money. I'm, I'm talking they, they are printing money for that station, uh-huh. much like my morning show was for 97.1. They are printing money for them. And uh, people like Shepard Smith and Dana Perino and Chris Steyerwald ought to be shining the shoes of these three powerhouses because otherwise they wouldn't even have money to pay them. If it weren't for Laura Ingram, Tucker Carlson, or Sean Hannity, they wouldn't have a dime over there. And so the Rupert Murdoch's little sons who run the place over there, uh, they, you know, they're only tolerating right. these people. They're, they're doing this, and it's only a money decision. And that's all it is. Because it's a, such a cash cow, they're only tolerating this particular yeah. – and Fox and Friends – you know that they're 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 raking in uh, the dough for them, so it's it's a money situation, and, and that was for me too. It's like you know, uh, that's we had to like con- convince them early on that that we were doing well here because they didn't they had their eye on making some changes, mm-hmm. uh, believe me. And maybe even wanted to pull Rush Limbaugh off of uh, KMOX, and you know it was it was uh, it's it's been it's in the offing. I'm just letting you know that's why you need to focus on this. And then when I talked about October, October is going to be a big month in my particular case, and ultimately it's going to propel it more to a national stage. And that's why ultimately I'm going to be with these guys and and uh, and and uh, be more connected to uh, to. The, the the Jim's Hoffs of the world of the world. Uh, by the way, did you see that the View? Oh, oh let me get to this really quickly uh, before I get to Jim. So uh, yesterday, it was brought to my attention that the Lily and her class watched a tape on nine eleven uh, about uh, about nine eleven. And what grade is Lily's the older third, one? Yeah, oh, third, yeah, third grade. A she's, one. she's a little one. She's my okay. youngest. Okay. Great. Well, you know what actually really cool? I'm going to put this up on Facebook, though. So last night, Lily had a game because she plays for Christ the King uh, school. And, and Christ the King is there in U City. Okay. And I played for Christ the King when I was a kid. And it was Aww. so cool to see my youngest daughter yeah. playing for Christ the, the same team that I, or the same, you know, Paris that I right. did when I was a kid. That is neat. Isn't that cool? It is neat. Because I'm 55 and she's eight. Right. And so I don't know what that is. What's, what's that gap? What is that number there? Do you do math? Isn't you a math 30, person? Isn't that 37? No. <laughs> Weren't you 37 when you... Well, see. I'm sorry. 47. 47. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. See? Well, I wasn't not far gonna, off. <laughs> I know. I had the seven. You're like me. <laughs> had the you ones did, column going did. for me. I know. I'm not laughing. <laughs> I'm laughing because that's kind of like, you know, um, me. I'm, you know, 2.6 all the way. <laughs> I got like a 500 plus on my SAT in English. Yeah. I was, I was, like, I was like near 600 on my SAT in English, and I got a 390 <laughs> in math. I was the same way. I was way, although now, I mean, 
not this last example, but I'm pretty good with numbers now. Like yeah. I do percentages in my head and I, you know, I can do all that. Yeah. But you know, but I was way, way, way uh, more talented in the English and reading and writing and, I still am. A, I still am. Yeah. I do say so. A fantastic writer. Yeah. Yeah. You are. The, the, the <laughs> only thing. The only thing that I was really good at math wise was uh, the was geometry, and that's only because geometry had like axioms and things that, like words in it, right? That you could, you know, that, that, that I could that I could handle. But uh-huh. anything numeric was, you know, I think I was still doing like. Algebra in college. Yes. Algebra one. Algebra. Not only algebra <laughs> in college, but algebra in summer school in college. In college. <laughs> so that's how that's how bad it was uh, was for me. Algebra in summer school in college. But anyway, this tape and and uh, Andrea had kind of an issue with the tape. She thought it was too graphic. Okay. And and it, and, and it showed like people running away with. Dust, dust all over their faces yeah. and stuff like that, and um, I have I had kind of a different view of it. I, I although I don't know, I think mothers have better instincts about this than fathers do. So I deferred to her. I, I said I, I get I understand what you're saying, and I get it. I'm more of the show the kids everything so they know what really happened, but I can't tell you that I know the response of an eighth grader necessarily. I'm sorry, eight-year-old. An eight-year-old. Right. I, I don't know. I can't gauge that. Well, I, I have a nine-year-old yeah, and a seven-year-old, so we're in right. the same. So, okay. So tell me what you would think about something like so that. So Paul, on nine ten before the kids went to bed, which I was kind of like, dude, right before they go to bed, really? He showed them just still shots, photos. Yeah. Um, the next day, when they came home from school, I showed video footage. Okay, but they didn't see it in school? No. Okay. And in fact, I asked them if there was even a discussion or like morning prayer, did they acknowledge it or can we take a moment to bow our heads for this, you know, terrible tragedy that, you know, 17 years ago, but no, nothing was said to, from, per my children. Yeah. I don't think, or maybe they did it in the upper grades, but not in the lower, I I have no idea, but, um, and then the school that I teach at said that there was very little acknowledgement. Okay. Well, they morning. they saw this video, and I have to. I didn't. I didn't. I saw a little bit of the video, and it was. It showed the planes hitting the tower, yep. and it showed everything mm-hmm. there. And so I don't know whether that's too much for an eight year old or not. Do you think it is? I subscribe to your okay world of. I show my kids everything, and I want them to see it with me, right? From me. Uh, Instead of in the classroom, yeah. And, okay, but you can show it in the classroom, right? But I'm just gonna. Do my best to get ahead of that right. on my own at home. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, to me, it's one thing if it's, uh, f- I guess, fiction violence. Yeah. But this was a very real event that, mm. you know, could happen. Right. Cause, it did happen and could happen, again, in some capa- – it could manifest maybe in a different way. But, you know, this is a very real situation that we're that we're living in well and I, I want my kids to know about it and i also want them to know their the history yeah i don't i don't want them to uh i i i'm i'm more of a subscriber of show them everything so that they never forget what we're up against on a regular basis now i still don't know i guess i would and again i'll defer to their mom i'll defer to sure. andrea on 
whether or not she thinks that that's appropriate or not, uh, because I would, I, if I were, I would, if I were te- the teacher, I would go ahead and uh, and just I would let it all hang out, which is what this teacher did, uh, much to Andrea's chagrin. And I understand that I, I get her concerns about it, and part of it also is based because she said, well, if Natalie had seen this, she wouldn't sleep for three weeks. But Natalie is a different person right. than Lily is, right. uh, and, and Natalie is a lot more sensitive to these kinds of things, and mm-hmm. a lot, you know, it, that's just her personality. Because uh, last night, last night when I uh, when we were talking about it, uh, I went after Lily's soccer game, uh, and I went when they were reading in their beds, and I went in and I said, uh, "Lily, did this? Were you bothered by this this video uh, at all?" She goes, "I'm not Natalie." <laughs> <laughs> so did Andrea think did Andrea think that the school should have asked permission of the families prior to viewing? Yeah, I think that if was If you her- want your child to yeah. be removed from the classroom during this, please yeah. let us know. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't that Andrea thought 9/11 wasn't a big deal. I mean, no. she didn't uh, I think it was just more about the proper time and place and manner of the whole thing. Right. And that's just where you kind of... Um, I agree I, with her. And I told her, I said, I have a different view of this. I actually would... I, I actually am, uh, am kind of glad they did that. <laughs> but but then again, you know, I will defer to her on this on this matter and, and talk about it with them later on that. I, didn't right. want, I wasn't going to get into a big argument about... Because but I, could, I, I could understand her point of view on the thing. And uh, But Lily wasn't really bothered by it. And she's right. She Natalie would have been... Would have never forgotten about it, you know. Right. So it, it's just a matter of sensibilities, and so there might have been some kids in that classroom who were not, who were like Natalie not and not like Lily, and who might not. Have, so I don't know. I just don't. I just don't want people to forget. I want to know how things panned out with Shamanade. Well, I, I never mentioned the school, but anyway. Thanks for doing that. What? I never mentioned the school. Oh. I think we're talking about something else. No, we're not. No. Didn't they have a 9-11 event? Oh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I've got friends who've got kids with the, in the middle school there. Yeah. That, were, that talked about something that happened with the video with 9-11. Oh, Okay. Well, we'll talk about that. Yeah. I thought you were talking about something else. No. I don't even know what the something else is the, that the you're diverse, referring to. The diversity director debacle. Remember that one? Oh. Yeah. Well, now you just told everybody. I, know. I didn't. I know. Well, I had to at that point. <laughs> Our people are smart. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, Our uh, people are smart. They you are don't smart. Put, you don't put too much over on the... Uh, the Radio Free Almond crew. Everybody, they, they, uh, the ability of our listeners to uh, connect dots is almost like scarily amazing. And they do it like in within seconds. That's why we're, that's why we're unbeatable as a political force and as a common sense crew because uh, the B, our BS meters pin just... <laughs> Automatically, I mean, it's like, like the movie Airplane. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Are those cheaters? Are those prescription we're like, glasses? We're, we're like a bunch of cows, you know, who know when the earthquake's coming. 
What? Are those cheaters? Yeah, these are cheaters. They're so styly. I've never seen cheaters shaped like that that are green. Oh, well, I guess they are styly. I like my, I, I don't wear cheaters a whole lot, but I do occasionally. And it really makes a huge difference because I can see. Mm-hmm. So when I was joking the other day, it's like sometimes I can't see this stuff. And it really does bother me. And it, sometimes it actually gets in my way that I can't see it very well. And I just don't have them a lot. And so what I do is I rely on my, uh, I rely on my kids a lot to read things for me, like labels. And I'm like, uh, you know, and my joke the other day was, Hayden, what does this say? Poison. Oh, okay. Thank you. Glad you, glad you found that out. Yeah. You want to listen to some wombats? How about some wombats, people? Come on. Great song. Huh? The wombat. You like the wombats? Oh, I, I actually like the animal, the wombat, as well. They're darling. Well, they're not a mongoose, which means the cobra's not going to get them. So I'd rather be a wombat than a, than a mongoose. Ricky Ticky Tabby. Right on. Right on. I'm going to call Jim Talon. He wants to talk a little Kavanaugh. You know, uh... Did you see this thing where Kavanaugh was like the 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 guy from part the dad from Parkland, the the shooting? I, I, I wish these guys wouldn't do this. I mean, your daughter. I get it that your daughter was murdered. And I understand your feelings, but why would you try to stunt a Supreme Court nominee at a at a hearing? And and Kavanaugh had to wind up wind up apologizing because he didn't shake his hand, but. Keep in mind, there are a bunch of protesters and stuff all throughout the thing, yelling and screaming, and some of them look like coat and tie people, and they, they wound up screaming and yelling. And so when somebody pops out of nowhere with their hand out, Kavanaugh's security detail popped up, and he didn't recognize the guy. He didn't know who the guy was. And now it turns out that they were trying to create this idea that Kavanaugh somehow you know, purposely ignored a, a, a Parkland school dad. How it's like, he... really? Unreal. I mean, what, what is, I mean, what is wrong with these people? You know, I mean, I mean, is there anything really like, I'm sorry, like sacred to you in, in this sense that, that you won't, you know, kind of like, uh, I mean, come on, dude, you're, you're a dad and we sympathize with you, but why, why would you go and, and, uh, and pull something like that, and then and then feed into it later. And I realize you're against. Uh, you're he's a gun control right. guy, right? I'm sorry, gun gun safety guy. And he wanted to talk to Kavanaugh about the Second Amendment or whatever. But why wouldn't you then try to talk to him formally, like another right. time? Or do you, do you not think Kavanaugh would not meet with right. you separately, or whatever? So why do you have to wander onto the? Senate confirmation hearing floor and with your hand right. out and, and then daring Kavanaugh to, to not talk to you. I don't understand that. But it became a big thing. Kavanaugh had to apologize and everything. Issue a statement and all this stuff. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And I have sympathies for the dad. There's no... Of course. I, I'm not, you know... Call Jim Talon here.
Jim Talon. How are you? It's Jamie Ullman. Good morning this morning. Good morning to you, Jamie. I'm fine. Thank you. Good. You know, I'm not in uh, the southeastern United States this morning. So. Yeah, well, I will tell you, as I said this morning, that uh, President Trump was right again that Hurricane Florence was going to be tremendously big and wet. Or wet and tremendously big. Whatever his terminology was uh, that he was trolled about, he was accurate. And uh, as uh, once again, President Trump is right. <laughs> so, yes, he is. I might have gone on a limb and said he that, that he was correct. I mean, most hurricanes are <laughs> wet and big. <laughs> it's so funny. I said the other day that 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 because when people were trolling him about using that language. And it was weird because the media, like, was were, they were harassing him over it. And I said, I will tell you that if I'm on one of those game shows, you know, where those charade game shows where you have to mention, is it password or no? What is it? Uh, it, it you, where you have to describe a, a word and, the other, and your and your partner has to t- take the word. If I were, if the word, if the secret word was hurricane, I'd sit there and go tremendously big and wet. <laughs> that would be my the, what I, exactly what I would say. To have the person say hurricane. Yeah, you'd be the celebrity. You'd be the celebrity, and I'd be the normal contestant, and I'd look at you, and you'd have to add probably high winds or something like that, and <laughs> right. then I might get it. Uh, yeah, right. Or if it's <laughs> Jeopardy, it's like, you know, tremendously big. Yeah, what, what is a hurricane? You know, it's like, yeah, we get it. But anyway, I, I hope you everybody. Know, Jamie, it, it, it would be interesting, although maybe not edifying, to speculate as to what else might one say. In response to the words "tremendously big and wet," I mean, I, Jim, really? Huh? Okay. Oh well, yeah, right. Exactly. Like uh, a swimming pool. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You know, like a like a oh, like shit. Olympic swimming pool. You know. Yeah, you'd, you'd say that tremendously big one. I'd probably go the ocean. Oh, right. oh yes, yes. That's and, I would do that too. And you'd grab me by around the neck. <laughs> I don't know if that ever happened at Password. You know? <laughs> right <laughs> yeah, on. Get me a partner who's not stupid, right? <laughs> right. You'd so, have to think of some names of famous hurricanes. Too. Uh, yeah, Katrina. That would do it probably, right? I was. I couldn't figure out whether or not. The fact that the names are associated with a hurricane is the deal, and that makes them so scary. But every hurricane name seems very menacing to me, and I'm wondering whether the common denominator would be that it's a hurricane. I don't know, but like uh, Olga and Hugo and and Katrina, Katrina. Yeah. they all sound like really menacing to me. Florence. Well, they are, and we shouldn't – you know, I saw in 1993 – when we had the big floods in St. Louis. It was my first year in the Congress. And I saw firsthand the power of water. I mean, people don't think of it in those terms, but when you get flooding, um, and particularly, uh, I was going to say unexpected. This isn't unexpected, but no matter how much they study it, it, it's very difficult for them to predict where the water's going to go and how quickly, and that's one of the big problems with it. I mean, I, I saw levees that were just like blown out overnight and sort of lakes created and it was really, it was really something. So hydrology is something we, like many things, we don't really understand as well as we think we do. Well, you know what, I, before we get to Kavanaugh, since we're on this subject and, and you're a defense guy, uh, and I know this is going to sound really weird, but yesterday I was thinking to myself just uh, – well, talking on the show and thinking to myself, and, and 
throwing this out there just as a thing that I think a lot of other people think about. So we're watching this thing for five days, and we're being told that this thing is going to be destructive, deadly, and people will be without power for months, and it will be the possibly – and even the weather uh, – the NOAA guy was saying that this scares – this, this thing scares me. But we're watching it for five days, and I, and I thought to myself, this is the only time where people, when they know something's coming and it's going to be destructive, just basically sit back and have to wait for it to come and do its dirty work. And I was thinking to myself, if we could put a man on the moon and do all this other stuff, how is it not possible that somehow we could use technology to dissipate a hurricane or send it away or or do something of that nature, maybe just blare giant speakers from space using Nickelback. I don't know. All I'm saying is, isn't there a way that we could possibly intercept a hurricane? Yeah, it's a, you know, you raise a point, and to me it highlights the, the sense, which I think is more an illusion of control that we have over our lives because uh, relative to even a few years ago, we've progressed very far in certain areas of technological and scientific accomplishment. And so we tend to think that we can control other areas and we can't. Um, the, the climate's uh, enormous, chaotic, nonlinear system with a whole lot of feedback loops and that's about as close as I can get to analyzing it. But it's it's not something we control. There's a lot in our lives we don't control. And everybody has to come to terms with that within their belief system, right? Um, so you, you, I, I, I hear people ask the question, well, you know, if you have all this warning, why don't you just move and probably or leave for a while? And probably people should. But then we have to remember that everybody's in a different circumstance and they may have all kinds of reasons for saying, gee, you know, staying is not good. Going is not good. What decision am I going to make? And, um, sometimes to make the right one, sometimes to make the wrong one. Well, yeah, I, I, and, and I did say, and this got kind of, uh, lofty and metaphysical. I did say if we, and it's more of this, it's more of a philosophical kind of argument to make is that uh, if you could have the technology, uh, would you use it? Like is, is a hurricane somehow some naturally designed thing, much like a forest fire is? Like forest fires sometimes can uh, be actually beneficial uh, for certain areas as opposed to being deadly. Uh, so uh, or terrible. So it's kind of weird. It, it, but that's a that's a more philosophical discussion that I know you and yeah. I could have over a couple of glasses of wine. I'm sure, but uh, we won't uh, bother. I, people I with feel it the host wanting to segue to a different subject. So well, I'm just saying, you and I, we had uh, Jim and I had lunch the other day, and we could have talked probably for right. eight hours. You know, just about pretty much anything. And so because Jim's a great conversationalist, and we could, but we had I had a, I had a fun time with it. And I appreciated uh, that time. But okay, so before we get to Kavanaugh, let me uh, ask you one quick thing. Since you have a security clearance, why did they close that Sunspot Solar Observatory in New Mexico suddenly without any explanation? The FBI closed it down and uh, it was evacuated. 
and so they closed the entire thing. Do you know why that happened? Well, I was read into that the other day in Washington, Jamie, but I, I can't talk about it, you know, or I'd have to shoot you and all your listeners. <laughs> no, I, 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 saw the, I saw the headline. I did not read the story, and I, I can't fathom. Uh, I'm, they must have a reason, and in saying that, your listeners shouldn't believe I'm saying they have a good reason. I mean, something caused it. I mean, every effect has a cause, right? So somebody made a decision to do that. I don't know. I was curious about it, too. Not curious enough to stop what I was doing and read the story. Uh, but I, I'm going to be interested to see what comes out eventually from it, because I really don't know. I mean, I, I, I just I can't. I, it's hard for me to link that up to one of the ongoing you know, national security issues they're dealing with every day. Well, yeah. So that wasn't great radio. So no, no, I just figure out how to segue into something else now because I really don't know. Well, because there was there was a uh, there was a uh, there was a Black Hawk helicopter there and all kinds of weird mm-hmm. things going on that everybody was looking at, uh, and uh, there was there there was some people with their conspiracy theories, which was interesting. That uh, there's a possibility that they spotted something. And that it had to be closed down because they saw something they shouldn't have. I don't know. Who knows? But all right. On to Kavanaugh. Well, what's interesting, Jamie, is if they're trying to prevent something from becoming, you know, a, a matter of public interest, you know, closing the thing down and particularly in that way uh, elevates it. Right. In other words, we wouldn't even know about this observatory if they hadn't closed it down. Right. So, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's I, I don't know. Um, I'm. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it enough to see when the if and when an explanation comes out because I'm curious about it too. Yeah, and, w- and one of the ways that you for sure you're not going to be subtle <laughs> is when you when everything's accompanied by a Black Hawk helicopter. That doesn't really generally right. uh, keep you under the yeah. radar. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, when you see the helicopters uh, <laughs> over and then shut something down, it's kind of a guarantee people are going to talk about it. Right, and 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 of course having a black helicopter is pretty much going to guarantee your 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 the the black helicopter people are going to be coming out of the woodwork so that's exactly right. how it goes yeah all right exactly so Kavanaugh, i was mentioning this just, just earlier i was sad to see the really weird attempts to kind of derail him yesterday we saw this situation the day before with the uh uh the, with that uh, father of a uh, murdered child in Parkland uh, apparently coming out of nowhere and trying to have a conversation with him. He didn't know who the guy was and uh, walked away because he just was like, okay, because there were all kinds of people screaming and yelling that he didn't know who this guy was and then was forced to ultimately apologize because he ignored the father of a murdered girl in Parkland. And it's like, and I'm like, and I'm like, how, why would you do that, first of all? And, and certainly Kavanaugh is the kind of guy who probably would meet with you under any other circumstances if you just, you know, somehow reached out to him and asked him. Yeah, the idea in that kind of a setting is to put the person in a no-win position. <laughs> so if a bunch of people come up to him that he doesn't know and he does engage them, then they can go off on some rant in his face and you video the rant and publish it and say he looked, you know, here he was told off by this person, and that's a negative story you don't want. If he doesn't talk to the people, then you video that and you say he's not talking to people. He's an isolated, arrogant guy. 
So, you know, it's, it's, it's a cheap shot kind of thing. I'm not accusing the, the parent of that, but yeah. I do think that was generally the, you know, w- what they were reduced to in trying to stop him, to put in a position where no matter how reasonable you are or how mature or balanced you are, no matter what you do, they can attack you. And, um, you know, this is one of the reasons, Jamie, that um, that our influencing class has lost credibility uh, because they don't conduct themselves in a manner that warrants credibility over time. And they think that it doesn't matter. They constantly sacrifice what's right uh, for what they think is expedient in the short term. And um, it's a, it, that is an underlying problem uh, that is, is really going bedeviling us and will continue doing so for some time. Yeah. So we're just, I mean, focus on, if people would focus on trying to do what's right and, and have, and develop the ability to talk about that and to reach some conclusions about what's right and just do that, you know, I mean, it, yeah. it's, uh, but, uh, it's, it, it does not, you know, it certainly does not bode well. And, you know, I've tried over the years, you know, I think you can go back through my history if you want to and find very, very few instances where I complained about the press. You and I have talked a little bit about this. We did the other day. Um, but it, it, boy, it seems to me that it, it isn't a bias so much as, as this kind of thing, the lack of professionalism on the part of so many, not all. And, um, and then the, the ignorance of it, the, the, the attacks, uh, when you get a sense that it's not that they know the underlying issue or, or the underlying context, and they're just choosing not to mention it to manipulate people, they actually don't know. I mean, they actually believe um, some of these things that they're saying. And that's really kind of discouraging. And I guess I'd almost prefer cynicism to ignorance well, in some cases. Yeah. So, and we've seen it on parade in the Kavanaugh case, in the Kavanaugh situation. Well, and it, it seems to me they're, they're, they're willfully, as you point out, ignorant. I used to say that, that bias oftentimes will come in the formulation of not what is said, but what isn't said. And, and, and that, that happens a lot in, in the news media these days. And like, for instance, when you saw, I'll give you an example, though this is not Kavanaugh related, but I'll give you a perfect example of, of that, like at NBC News level. Then, then, I'll, then I'll go into the Kavanaugh reporting because that was pretty simple. But listen to this. Listen to this Lester Holt intro. This is on 9-11, and this is in res- uh, talking about – Puerto Rico and, and, and about the hurricane and about 9-11. Listen to this real quickly. President Trump in the Oval Office late today said the federal government is, quote, absolutely and totally prepared to respond to Florence. But he also praised his own much-criticized response last year to Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico, despite the official death toll recently being raised to nearly 3,000 people. That's all. That's and, and well, as many and, lives lost in the September. I didn't hear anything. Oh, okay, so well, you need, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I thought maybe you could hear that. But anyway, it's Lester Holt basically saying that uh, President Trump said he did a good job. In, they did a good job in Puerto Rico. That's despite the fact that the official death toll has been raised to 3000 uh, about the number of people who died on 9-11. I'm going, dude. Lester Holt, I said, first of all, the official death, death toll, that, that was not an official death toll. That came from 
a modeling estimate from George Washington University and the New England Journal of Medicine, who both used uh, extrapolation methodology to come up with a number. For the most part, the number isn't anywhere near 3,000, but they say – first of all, the use of the term official is wrong. It's inaccurate. It's not correct, and there is no official death toll. If you want to take it from the Puerto Rican government, the official death toll is about 1,100. So uh, you know that's the kind of stuff you get with Kavanaugh, for instance. You saw a story uh, that, that was covered with Cory Booker, and, and Cory Booker – and and the and these emails that had been released the night before, but that was the tail end of the story that they had been released the night before instead of the beginning of the story. So they let Cory Booker unleash all of his drama when the entirety of the drama was based on a lie, and yet the right. the news media just kind of told that story and they said, "Oh, by the way, they were released the night before." It's like, no, that's like a pivotal part of the story, right? And when it's so easy to puncture an accusation or the theme of a, of a story like that. And I say to myself, I mean, they're not even requiring any rigor. In other words, it's okay. You're going to set out to unfairly attack Brett Kavanaugh. So, you know, do it with some intelligence and some rigor, not with a story that, that, you know, you can just explode by, by saying, well, wait a minute, those emails weren't classified. (laughs) They were released last night, right? So when the first comment, this is one of the things that, 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 that shows the state to which we've fallen. When the first question any person acting rationally would ask about a storyline or the first point they would make just explodes it. So you're saying, my gosh, I mean, uh, you couldn't come up with anything better than that. And uh, and you're not embarrassed by the fact that you couldn't come up with anything better than that. It's not like, oh, boy, I really feel stupid, you know, uh, because if, if you would react that way, you wouldn't do a story like that. You'd step back and go, OK, what you know, what is they had months to prepare for the Kavanaugh thing. Right. Right. So what you can't step back and say, OK, we want to stop this Kavanaugh nomination. What is an intelligent, you know, longer term strategic plan? For doing that, uh, you know, preferably something that is actually done in an ethical way, but at least something that's intelligent. And then you come up with what you came up with, um, you know, a, a bunch of protesters screaming, which, of course, is not going to convince anybody who's not already with you and which you wouldn't want anybody who was in, in the middle or actually trying to think about it to even watch and see. Right. Are they so unself-aware? As, as not to realize that anybody watching this who's not already against Kavanaugh is got more likely to be for him after watching it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, which I, I, I'm not, maybe I'm crazy, Jamie. Maybe I'm sitting here in my, you know, in front of my desk talking to you and I'm just flaky about this and this is really persuasive to people, but I don't think so. And I just, I don't know where they're coming from. I know when they, you, you're, you're in the business, right? So, you sit around, I assume, and you talk about how you're going to cover a story or something. And who came up with that idea? Or how, you know, how, how you going to? Well, listen, we'll, we'll, we'll pipe in a bunch of people who scream a bunch of things. Um, or you know, how does Cory Booker come up with that idea? Yeah, I mean, he had to know that the emails were were released, right? Or his staff didn't tell him. So didn't he know that this was going to be immediately circulated? Well, I mean. 
I just don't, I don't get it. And, well, and, and um, I think what he knew, Jim, is that, is that uh, the media, that, that he'd get away with it. I mean, it, it's kind of like Kamala Harris when she did her little, uh, her, her little uh, interrogation of him. And, you know, and she said, have you ever spoken to Robert Mueller? You mean like when I work with him? And it's, it's kind of like, but, but they know the media is just going to give all these people a pass because uh, they don't like Kavanaugh and they agree with, you know, Cory Booker and Kamala Harris. So it's like, it's like they, they know Cory Booker knew that no one was going to call him out except for maybe uh, Fox News and you know, Breitbart, and that was going to be pretty much it. The rest of the time, he had the run of the place. Well, I, see, Jamie, I, I think it's possible in, in that kind of a setting, uh, if you're opposed to Kavanaugh, and, and they, some of them did 20-minute opening statements, so it's not like they didn't have the time to communicate an idea, right? I think it's possible for somebody to have read an opening statement, which pretty powerfully... Uh, criticized Kavanaugh's approach to the Constitution in a way that people listening, even if they weren't lawyers or students of this sort of thing, could understand. And I think part of the problem here is, again, that they don't understand their own positions. And they don't have any confidence that voters or people watching this can absorb an idea, uh, which is crazy. I mean, you can... If you have a if you I understand if you've got a 15 second soundbite, and that was always my complaint about TV. That's one of the reasons I like radio is you can actually talk about something. You don't have enough time then. I mean, there is a point where where you just can't communicate anything. But they had the time. And I think if I'd been wanting to run for president of the Democratic ticket, I would have combined an opening statement, combined some reasonably deep ideas with some powerful sort of punchlines that, that would have gotten repeated on the Internet. And I, I didn't see that from anybody. Uh, I thought Harris was, was better than, than Booker. Yeah. But, I mean, that's a pretty low bar. <laughs> right. Um, and I just I, – I, you have staff. You know, you're, you, 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 you think about these ideas. Explain what you think is wrong with Kavanaugh's jurisprudence. And and I think you really can do it. You know, I I can orbit up to a little bit higher level on this and and tell you some one thing I think is a problem with with the left today, and not everybody on the left. Okay, so, but I think they're a lot of their leaders, and I'll compare this to an earlier time because you know when I was. A younger lawyer, I read a lot about the Supreme Court in the 30s and 40s when Franklin Roosevelt appointed all nine of the people, and he made some really good appointments. Um, I, mean, I thought, you know, Felix Frankfurter and a guy named Robert Jackson. He made some clunkers too, but he made some really good ones. And the court of that day was very deferential to the democratic, the political institutions. I mean, and, and probably too much so. I mean, it, it really allowed, it, it really cut back on striking down. You know, laws. And I think one of the reasons was because in those days, the left had a lot of confidence that their agenda would work, that their agenda would benefit everybody, and that therefore the political process would work in their favor. In other words, that they could, uh, they would be elected, you know, if they could do what they wanted to do. And I think part of their problem today is they don't have any confidence that, that what they're proposing, even if, even if you could understand it, 
was actually going to work and would be popular with a lot of people. And so they, you know, they, you just see this constant manipulation and mind games and the rest of it because they don't have anything really big and important to talk about. Yeah. Now you see you, some of this, uh, and this I think was a distinguishing thing about Bernie Sanders campaign. I don't agree with anything Bernie, or virtually anything Bernie believes. Okay. But he really does believe it. And oh, yeah. he really does think that it's going to work. Okay. Uh, the last hundred years has gone through him without stopping. As, as the expression <laughs> an old friend of mine used to say, but I mean, he, he has some confidence in that. And so while there is certainly a whole lot of sort of resentment and anger when he talks, there's also some hope because he thinks he can accomplish something. And I think that's missing among a number of others on the left. And, and so you get this constant anger and, and like bitterness and it's, um, it's very off putting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, it's not just in the United States that you see this, you see this in a lot of places in Western democracies. Um, so I don't. I hope they're able to resolve it. Um, well, is he going to be? Is he going to be? A, let's put. Let's put it this way. Is he going to be confirmed? I mean, he's going to be confirmed, right? Yeah, I think. Okay. Oh, yeah. I've said this for months that I thought his hearing that only Kavanaugh could derail Kavanaugh. That if he did something at the hearings that was legitimately a problem for you know for for mainstream American voters watching it. You know, and I'm not going to go through what he might have said, you know, but something really dumb. Remember when when Ford said that Gerald Ford said, no, I'm dating myself, that the Soviet Union did not control Eastern Europe at an, in a debate. And he insisted that Eastern Europe was not under the thumb of the Soviet Union in 1976 in a debate. <clears throat> that kind of mistake, I think, could have derailed, derailed Kavanaugh. But he did fine at his hearing in a very, very difficult set of circumstances. And I thought all along that he would get confirmed uh, because there really is no reason not to confirm him uh, except the underlying disagreements among some parts of the left and their legal community with his jurisprudence. And they never made that case, right? Yeah. Because I don't you know, they didn't understand it well enough or it wasn't uh, headline catching enough or they didn't think it would move public opinion or whatever, they never really made a substantive case. Right, um, right. So, yeah, I thought he would get confirmed. And um, partisanship is, is, is if, I think if you had a free vote, I mean, if the Democrats could vote uh, Democratic senators and nobody knew about it, uh, and so they didn't have to worry about the reaction of their voters. I think he'd get a lot more. Oh, sure, of course. Yeah, if they didn't, have, they, they could do it under the cloak of darkness. By the way, Jimmy, have you ever met Gia Valenti? By the way, she's on the show with me right now. Just want to let you know, I didn't. Hi. Oh, Gia, I didn't do any uh, formal introductions. Have now, anyway. Hello, nice, nice uh, to meet you. Not very courteous of me to to, to have done that, but uh, yeah, you probably want to, you want to probably want to jump in and focus this interview a little bit, Gia. Oh, no, I'm, no, I'm enjoying this. <laughs> I. Uh, um, one, one quick thing, uh, a couple of things uh, on the, on the Senate side then, uh, I, am I mistaken? I, I, or do I just have a different view of this Cruz race? I mean, to me, there's no way Ted Cruz is going to lose in Texas. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, I, I, I just can't imagine this Beto O'Rourke character beating Ted Cruz. And I, and I can't figure and the, and the only good news about that is that uh, it's probably going to help him, uh, Ted Cruz, these individuals who, um, you know, 
these individuals who who it's who are claiming that he might lose, I think it just simply is going to get the troops all organized uh for for Cruz, so it might help him, but it's still it's hard for me to believe that Cruz could lose this race in Texas. Well, I'm, I'd have to believe it to see it, I and mean, let's let's put it that way. We are in a cycle that's pretty volatile, and it's unusual for a cycle to be as uh, an election to be as fluid this late in the cycle as I think it is. Yeah, and that's just my gut, and I think uh, it's it's a it's a comment again on on some of what we've been talking about, because, you know, in normally, at least in the world that I grew up in, you would be talking at this point in the cycle about some set of big issues of public policy. You know, you'd be talking about uh, a conflict overseas. You would be talking about the financial crisis. You know, you might be talking about uh, about uh, what we about the crime or health care you know, Obamacare, something like that, right? But we're not really talking about that. And I think a lot of voters who, who and you know, because we have talked a lot online and offline, I think voters actually do try to make decisions in terms of what they think is best for their, their families in the country. And they're trying to sort through all this noise and uh, and make a rational decision, and it's hard because the system is not serving them well. Now, there, I don't know about the specifics of that race or, or many races around the country. I'm not reading. You have to really follow these races closely to, to have any kind of inside information. But I think that's one of the reasons it's so fluid. I just think a lot of voters are aghast. They're just looking at this and going, what, what is happening with these people who are supposed to be our leaders? Uh, and I, you know, that's mostly on the left. I will say um, it's some of it on our end. I'd like to see more message, what I call message discipline. I mean, is talk about, have some faith in the voters, and talk about the big issues that actually affect them. Um, and uh, I'd love to see all the communication on the Republican side, or most of it, talking about this economy. This is hugely yeah. important to real people. I mean, real people have more opportunities, better jobs. Wages are going up. Consumer confidence is up. This matters to real people. This means people can pay their bills. This means they have uh, have have more hope for the future, more confidence for the future. Um, it, it, you know, it means they can they, they can advance their careers. It, it, it helps people pay off their student loans. That's still a huge problem, and that'd be worth talking about. I mean, there's all this matters. Well, I used to say this on the campaign trail, and I get me off on a rant is because I would try and focus people on things and say, look, it, it, there there are real people out there. This matters to They get up every day and, and, and say, gee, my, you know, my life today is a little better or a little worse because of this thing that's happening. Right. 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 And, and I do think those messages, if you're consistent in repeating them, because, you know, voters don't have time to, to spend all day, you know, ferreting out the one story, the one time you gave a speech about something that mattered. If you, if you repeat it enough, I think it moves votes. You know, I, right. I had some degree of success in my career. I mean, I, you know, it wasn't it wasn't like I never lost an election, but I was competitive even under very different, difficult circumstances. And that's what I always did. I really did try and talk about things that made a difference. Well, this is which it makes people feel better about the whole system. At the end of the day, they, you know, they think back at the election and they go, well, you know, 
there was a lot of the usual circus stuff, but at least they talked about some things that, uh, you know, that would make a difference in my life. Well, this is why, Jim, I, I do believe, and I know this is going to sound odd to some people, but this is why I believe that the whole uh, blue wave thing or this uh, odd movement in some democratic circles is really a paper tiger. And, and I'm saying that because I believe that what happened in New York with Ocasio-Cortez, what happened in Massachusetts with, with that uh, Democrat uh, unseating a longtime incumbent again, what happened with this Gillum character who is as far left as you get. Uh, for a Floridian politician, uh, and and with this Beto O'Rourke, the rise of him as well, getting the nomination there as well, is I think what you're seeing are a lot of Democrats, like mainstream Democrats, actually not voting because because a lot of them are not as motivated to get to the polls because their lives are going pretty well uh, it, the, with the economy and everything else. I'm not saying they like Donald Trump. I'm just saying they don't have the kind of cause that people on the left have. So what do you get in Democratic primaries these days? Left-wingers, crazy ones, who are still ass hurt over the election from 2016, who are still desperate to to make some kind of play, they're the ones who are showing up at the polls. That's why you're getting these uh, these these individuals who are unseating incumbents and things like that, because they themselves have their own version of a drain the swamp, and and so you're only getting the energetic left going to the polls, and so I, the energetic left is not going to put. Uh, B2 O'Rourke over Ted Cruz. It's not going to uh, put uh, this Gillum character over DeSantis. And it's just simply not going to. I think it's much ado about very little, but I think the indications are that the people who are really flocking to the polls and have a D after on their on their voting uh, tab are just the far left. I think the regular mainstream Democrats have basically just kind of stayed home. Yeah, Jamie, I, I think looking at these races from the outside that there's probably a number of factors working, and what you m- mentioned is one of them. I think in some cases, if you have a longtime incumbent uh, who maybe, and I don't know, for example, how well Joe Crowley was taking care of his district, how much he was home, and I don't want to, maybe he was home a lot and worked very hard, but you have a longtime incumbent who sometimes takes uh, a race not very seriously until it's too late, and you get a young, fresh outsider coming in, that presents an appealing prospect to voters. Uh, in the absence of um, you know a campaign that's really substantive, talking about things that are important, you know that people default to other kinds of decision-making processes. I think there's a sense on the left, as there has been on the right, that there are many of their classic you know, establishment leaders have not paid attention to them, have not fought hard enough, and people want that. I think, you know, socialism, although it's been, I think, really discredited, I mean, it's hard to look at the history of the last hundred years and still believe this, but it is a, it is an approach to government that promises something better. And it does have some some actual ideas that it presents. Again, I think discredited ideas, but there's a vision there, which there really is not so much in the Hillary Clinton wing of the Democratic Party. What is their vision? Um, and 
And so I think, you know, an actual set of ideas that promises people something will often succeed against nothing. And I think that's working. Now, I tend to agree with you in the general election. But I tell you, Jamie, uh, voters at at a certain deep level, as cynical as they are, understand that they're the boss and they make the decision and they're going to make the decisions in all these. And often they surprise the people who think they understand everything and can predict everything. So I have the same feeling you do. Um, but I, you know, nothing, I, I don't know that at this point, anything would surprise me in November. <laughs> I really, yeah, I, I'm prepared for about anything. Yeah. Uh, no, no doubt. Cause, yeah. Cause we're, we're not, uh, there is a lot of chaos at the top. Now, I, you know, this is one of the thing, areas I think the Trump administration gets a bad break because if you actually look at what the president has done and the policies he has pursued, he, you know, it is a very coherent set of policies on things that are important to people. I mean, the trade agenda is an example, and you can argue with it, and I know a lot of people I respect who do. But he is addressing a problem that that the voters have been talking about for a long time. And this is true in a bunch of areas. You know, he talks about economic growth. Uh, That's hugely important. And so, I mean, he's he's, he talks about the national defense. You know how I feel about that and the steps they're taking there. So there you know, there is an agenda there that he's been pursuing under fire for two years. And I, I believed if I have a disappointment with this cycle so far. Is that I don't think, frankly, either he or our congressional leaders have done a good enough job of being really disciplined and talking about this stuff because it's it's good stuff, you know. Yeah, and, um, I agree. I would just, I mean, I would really try to ignore things that shift us off that topic. And what you do in politics is is when you want to talk about something, the honorable and right way to do it is when you get questions in other areas from, you know, bird dogs like Jamie Allman, you answer that question very briefly, and then you pivot back to the subject you want to talk about. Right, right. So I'm going with this interview, but if I wanted to talk in this interview about Kavanaugh, let's say, I would try and take anything reasonably that you brought up, and I would try and guide it back to Kavanaugh. Well, I would not ignore your questions, <laughs> but I would answer them very briefly. Well, wh- wh- I would say, yeah, yeah, wh- yeah, hurricanes are an interesting subject. But have you been looking at the hurricane in Washington over the Kavanaugh nomination? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, th- I think well I think it's a foregone conclusion. This is going to happen and this is going to be um, the, the way to go. And w- so when are we going to s- when are we going to see the vote take place? I mean, when when is this actually going to happen? Do you know? Uh, well, they've talked about like, uh, the end of September. So I think it's, I think next week is probably when it's going to be now McConnell is going to keep the Senate in session to do more nominations, which I think is really smart. I mean, keep them there, uh, keep confirming more people. Uh, for one thing, when you do that to senators, you know, when they have to stay in the Congress, when they're not planning to stay in. It disrupts the schedules that they planned. And to be fair, often that schedules are other important things back in the state. I mean, you know, when you when you think you're getting a recess in August, okay, yeah, you may take some time off, but you also plan a bunch of things back in the state. You do your farm tour, 
either you're listening tours, you know, you meet with people who've been wanting to meet with you for months. And so when the majority leader says, no, we're going to be in in August, you go, oh, rats, you know. And this focuses your mind maybe on the idea that maybe you shouldn't uh, draw out the confirmation process. Maybe we actually ought to debate and vote on these people instead of using this as a weapon. Uh, and that's what McConnell's doing here. Uh, and he's going to get a bunch of people confirmed, which I think is really good. But I, I would I think probably next week for Kavanaugh. And I think he gets 53, 54 votes. Well, we'll see what Heidi Hedkamp does and Donnelly and Claire McCaskill and a few others. Yeah, well, you know, and, and the and just really quickly back to the Senate thing, because it's uh, uh the situation regarding uh, Hawley, there are some people concerned that he's not really um, he's that he's not really uh, working very hard right now. I don't you know, I know I know there are some ads and things, but but I don't see uh, I don't see him out there a lot. And, and, and maybe it's just my imagination. But and I realize he's he's uh, Claire McCaskill for the fourth month in a row has been listed as the most unpopular Democrat running for, uh, again, incumbent, running again. But I'm not quite sure he can take that to the bank. Well, I mean, we're not going to be certain until the election. I have a reasonably high level of confidence. Again, I think this is such a chaotic cycle, it's hard to predict. But I think that Josh has hit some really good themes. I think he's I think he's run a good race. It's a... Um, you know, it's a it's a 2018 race, Jamie, and it's different than when I was running uh, because with social media and the new tools you have available, um, I, I and I'm not expert on this, not ever having run in this regime, okay, but I think there are way the 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 the, um, the, the savvy candidate uh, prioritizes his time different than you did when I was running, because the object, again, is to get the message out, to have a good message, to be disciplined in it, and to get it out in as many ways as possible to as many voters as possible. And I think it's different uh, in in this era than it was when I was running. Um, you know, I used to go out to, to, to digress to a personal, it's not a digression, because it's relevant to your comment. So I wasn't as well known in Southwest Missouri, and it was a very important area to me. And so I spent a disproportionate amount of time there. I liked it. Um, beautiful part of the state. Uh, and I would go down there, and then I would see a poll, and my numbers were pretty good. But if I wasn't there for a couple of weeks, they'd drop a little bit, so I'd go back. Now, if I had the tools of social media, uh, there are ways of being present to voters without having to be there as often so that you can go someplace else. Not that I believe me, I was not gooping off. You know what I mean? It's a big state. It is hard to get around the state. So I, you know, I think you judge candidacies and campaigns today by a little different metrics than you did when I was running. I mean, I went to all 114 counties and boy, that was interesting too. Um, but I don't, I don't think people do it the same way today. No, you're right. I, I just, but I'm not quite sure you can even rely always on uh, social media either. I, I have to tell you, that's the uh, that's that that's the concerning thing too. Because um, I, you know, really in the end, I think sometimes you, you you have to just get out there and shake hands, and 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 I think part of that uh, that's 
part of the problem. Like e- even if you take Radio Free Almond and you you take um, our stream, which you can get on your phone. And my Facebook page, we can get on Facebook, where I am swamping any other radio station in town here regarding the number of listeners on the stream and engagements and listeners on and watchers on Facebook. I am trouncing every single radio person in town with those numbers. But still, I run into people who will say, what are you doing these days? Because they're not on Facebook. And because they actually don't even, you know, do much with their phone or whatever, or haven't heard about the the app or whatever. So sometimes, you know, get and, and, and when once all those people are on board, there, there won't be anybody who can catch us here at Radio Free Allman. But what I'm saying is, though, even with all that, if I just relied on my social media presence, I wouldn't be getting a lot of those people out there who still don't know where I am. So if I'm Josh, I'm not – and I think you're right, though. Social media is a powerful tool, and there's no question about that. And Barack Obama used it wisely and, and strongly. But I wouldn't necessarily depend on, on that to, to pop me over. But your point's well taken. I'm just saying I wouldn't – I would be a little careful about, uh, about just saying, hey, I could just tweet this and boom, I'm ready, I'm done, you know? Yeah, and I look, I'm not um, – I don't know where he's been. I mean, if I had – if I called him up, I could probably give you a list. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I will he's been say out this there. To you, that one of the things I always liked about getting around the state is because, you know, a campaign is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And one of the ways that you, that you um, energize yourself for it is the, is the person-to-person or the small group or the large group meetings, too. Uh, you know, think of the energy in the rooms when we d- did those national security panels. Oh, yeah. Uh, with yeah i mean it's that's that feedback that you get from the crowd that really lifts you up at the end of a long day right uh, it was uh, a lot of the fun part of campaigning is that uh so it's a mix of things jamie i mean it's there are many different kinds of media in a campaign i mean a yard sign is a media is, is a medium right for getting across the message your name and maybe if you can capsulize your message in one slogan you you know the yard sign you, you can try and do that whether there's billboards there's social media there's advertising there's advertising on social media there's there's earned media there's all this stuff and you try and project a fairly disciplined consistent message across a broad broad range of media for a long time and i do think if you do that and you're talking about things that matter to people you're going to have about as good a chance as you can get for yourself I used to say to the staff, look, let's let's talk about these things that are important to people and that are important to me. And let's try and be reasonably intelligent in how we do it. The candidate may be the biggest problem there rather than the staff. But let's try and be reasonably intelligent. And and that's probably the best campaign we can run. And if it isn't and we lose, at least we've lost doing something that, you know, that honors the better traditions of American politics. Right. Yeah. I'm going to lose. And, and that is a consolation I have with the races I lost. So, I, you know, I, I ran races that treated the voters uh, properly like they were intelligent people. Right. I mean, nobody's ever said that I didn't do that. Right. So and that's, a, you know, you never know in this business, Jamie. I mean, good people running good candidates can look can, uh, candidacies can lose and people can, you know, 
loaf their way through it and win too. So yeah. you just don't know. All right, brother. Well, and and, and if you do call Josh Hall, like radio, where if you're not good, you just don't, you know, you don't make it. <laughs> if you do, if you do, uh, and sometimes when you are good, you still don't make it for other reasons, yeah, and I then know. you just got to come know. back, just, like I did. So it's life, good, man. Right on. Hey, but by the way. Uh, if you do call Josh Hawley, give him my number because he he doesn't want to make the mistake of uh, assuming that because uh, I I don't have any contact with his campaign for whatever reason. So maybe we I, we I'll try to reach out to him uh, and and uh, maybe his people can realize there's a Radio Free Almond uh, Nation out here yeah, that wants to hear that, from him. That, so. That's a problem. He, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, have a great weekend. And uh, as as always, you know the feedback on your uh, presence here is amazing. You, if you go to Facebook and see the people who love uh, the discussions we have, and, and it's so great to be able to actually have a discussion where we don't have to end it after three minutes or four minutes, oh, which is man, fantastic. I agree. You know, I, there's so many this format, this medium. Uh, I I really like it, and I you know I think things like this matter, Jamie, uh, and matter in politics too. Um, you know, there are people watching and listening. This is one thing I want to say. I know you got to go. Uh, you do have other things you got to do. But this is one thing I'd like to say to my former colleagues, you know, who act like a clown sometimes, is to say, look, a whole lot of Americans, and thank heavens for this, are not paying a lot of attention to this. They have real lives. They're worried about their jobs or their families or they're upset about the Cardinals, you know, or something like that. But there are thoughtful people across the political spectrum who watch this sort of stuff, and they know. Okay? They know. Even if your friends in the mainstream press cover for you, there's a lot of people watching, and your friends are cringing for you, and your opponents are laughing at you. Right. And try and keep that in mind, okay? And then act a little bit more honorably and a little bit more intelligently. I mean, do yourself a, a, a service. I mean, it's it's like... If you're Cory Booker, and I say this, I, I do not say this to take a shot at him. Um, I had, I'm not going to say I had hopes for him, but I, you know, is this what you want to look back in your career? And Because and, all careers end, okay? And you will look back and say, oh, this is the kind of thing I did, this I am Spartacus. I am moment. Spartacus! I mean, come on. <laughs> All right. Well, I know you got to go. Well, you, will you, well, here's one. The only thing I would, would like to you to assure the Radio Free Almond people and me and, and others uh, is uh, that um, you'll still come on the show even when you're the defense secretary in President Trump's second term. I just want to make sure that you uh, will remember that. You, still okay, gonna we'll be talk with about. Us. I tell you what, we'll talk about. Uh, I'll be. I'll be disciplined in my message. <laughs> And maybe we'll talk about the missile frigate that we'll be building and the president wants to build. And uh, yeah, we'll get into some deep defense stuff, man. There you go. I love it. Okay, friend. Well, we will uh, Thanks, we'll talk Jamie. to you soon. And Jim Taylor, have a great uh, rest of your weekend, friend. Okay. See Thank you. you. Okay, Bye-bye. see you. Bye. You think I'm kidding about that, don't you? He's, uh, he's, on, a, he's on a really short list. That's fantastic. For the president's second term, I, I, I guarantee very, you that. Very, I don't want to mess anything up for him. I'm just telling you that's, uh, that's where it's, it's at. A possibility, all right. Yeah, I mean, I'm, that, that is, uh, that's a strong possibility. But I don't know. You never know, right? Hey, folks, don't forget that we have our Radio Free Elm and Happy Hour 
on the 27th of September. That's a Thursday. And Gia, you're going to be there, right? I'm coming. Yay! I'm so excited. It's going to be great. <laughs> and, and it's going to be a Thursday. It's at Santino Cigars and Cocktails. And we're going to get out a formal kind of invite to all of you. If you sign up at RadioFreeAlmond.com and you go to the website there. And a lot of you have had situations where we've had some glitches with the podcast. So we're getting back all that back on, on, on track for you guys. Uh, but if you go to RadioFreeAlmond.com, it's where I prefer you go uh, for First of all, to get hooked up with the shop for the gear, uh, to, to go through the website, but to sign up for our newsletter and that kind of thing. And then we'll be getting out kind of a formal in- invite with all the details and that kind of thing. If you go to RadioFreeAlman.com and sign up, and then uh, we've got you ready to go. And then we're going to go ahead and give you all the info about um, – Start times and all that kind of stuff. And I know some of you are averse to putting your names on things and emails on things, but we're not going to, we don't sell info or do anything of the sort. So don't worry about that. Santino Cigars and Cocktails, and we're going to have the County Brown Barbecue guys out there as well. So it's going to be like $10 a plate, but it's going to be pulled pork and two sides and everything else. And then you, the money goes to Backstoppers. So we're kind of raising money for Backstoppers while at the same time getting together and hanging out. There's also going to be a bourbon tasting as well there. The uh, Glazers distributors uh, are going to be out there with uh, some great awesome. uh, new tastings. So that's going to be fun, too. And, of course, all the usual suspects are going to be there as well, including Gia. Don't forget, too, about my buddy Matthew Mitchell and the Matthew Mitchell Allstate Agency. 855-QUOTE-ME is where you can go for all of your insurance needs. Low premiums, low deductibles, all at the same time. 855-QUOTE-ME. And also, by the way, I will be getting my Michael Proctor, Proctor Drapery, Proctor Spelled Like Doctor post up there on the Radio 3 Elman site. Uh, later on today, but for all your window treatment needs, Michael Proctor, yep, he's back with Allman, and it's Proctor spelled like Dr. ProctorDrapery.com. He's got his mobile design unit. He comes to you. He'll come to you seven days a week. It'll be even on a Sunday if you need him. So this weekend, if you want to hook up with Michael, he's uh, ready to rock for you. And don't forget my friend Eric Naputi, NaputiWellness.com. That is for all of your needs as it relates to resolving problems from the inside, not Band-Aid-wise, not the fakey-fake drug cover-up. It's all about getting to the core of the problem with Naputi Wellness and NaputiWellness.com. Thank you, Eric, for all of your help and support and to all the people who support the show, also including Tracy Ellis, TracyEllis.com. And don't forget, too, about my friends at Golden Oak Lending. So if you're going through Tracy and you're buying a home or you're buying a business and you need pre-approval, Golden Oak Lending will get it for you easily. They'll give you also a free mortgage checkup. 314-567-GOLD, 567-GOLD. The mortgage checkup is designed to give you an idea of the value of your home and what you can pull out of it to cover up your credit card debt, brand new project. Maybe you want to take... Michael up on a window treatment project and you want some extra money for that, they can turn it around for you fast. They take all the risk. If they can't close a loan, the appraisal, everything else is completely no charge for you. They do everything in-house for a lower rate, faster closing on down the line. It's Golden Oak Lending, 314-567-GOLD. Giovanni, thanks a ton. Don't forget, learnwithmoxie.com. I know that's going gangbusters, right? It's going very well. Good for you. And my book is about to be in my hands. Yay! Ready for signing and selling. And oh, I'm really? So excited. Oh, yeah. I got Are you going to have it done by the 27th? 
it's very oh yeah for sure yeah oh yeah but that's your thing but you need to bring some to the uh i I could to the yeah to the to the uh ready to feel unhappy hour I'd love to. Oh yeah, we'll have well, a thanks. we'll have a Giovanni book signing as well. Great! Yay! Good for you. I can't wait Thank to you. talk more about it once it gets out. Uh, have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. Take care, everybody. Thanks a ton. Yeah, we didn't. Uh...